Hello and welcome to episode number five of this podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman and I host it with my friend Alexei now. Um, in this week's podcast we talk about peace and love and how it's replacing the acronym RICE that was used for musculoskeletal injury rehabilitation. Um, it used to be uh, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Um, now it's different and Alexi was talking about how it's a little bit more all-encompassing, a little bit, um, it's a bit of a better uh, acronym to use, um, not just because it's peace and love. Um, we then talk about exercise again, damage to the body, stress and its physical manifestation in the body. We've spoken about this a lot, but there's so much to cover. There's lots of different ways to kind of view it. Um, so apologies if we cover something that we've spoken about before, but there's definitely some new stuff in there. We then go on to talk about the left and the right side of the brain and the different ways that they function, how that looks on the individual scales so on the micro, and then how that looks um, in, in society. So if you get a load of people using one side of the brain, how that can be beneficial in some ways, but also can have some some bad aspects to it. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, or if you have any comments, please please leave a comment, share, like, subscribe, um, and once again, enjoy. Perambulations in Franglais. So, what are peace and love, and what have they replaced? So, it's a bit like uh, rice, which was a uh, rest, ice, compression, and elevation, moto a little bit. And there's a, a lot of uh, disagreement at the moment about putting heat before cold, or cold before heat, if it's in flame, if it's not, all the rest and thing. And I think I've just come across for like musculoskeletal rehabilitation on that uh, new acronym so it's to really deal with the acute so we were talking we quite like to talk about acute and persistent a little bit really because most people know it acute and chronic acute and chronic yeah but you don't like chronic I don't like chronic I prefer persistent and um, so rather than a rice nowadays it's something called peace basically and uh, it's an acronym again so P for protection uh, I think E is for elevation uh, A is for uh, trying to refrain from having anti-inflammatory and leaving uh, inflammation uh, going and then uh, the C is for compression and the E is education that's such an interesting one that was not in there at all before that's it, that's it, education that's it, education exactly and so that's really when you twist your ankle or you sprain your hamstring or something like that you need to compress it you need to really elevate it try to not take anti-inflammatory let your body do the whole stuff initially to fa- to make the you can I'm pretty sure you can take analgesics like uh, I know like painkilling yeah. medication like opiate like type thing if you were really in lots of pain and if you can stomach them for a few days, but uh, no anti-inflammatory, and you leave the area being inflamed, and the diapedesis we talked about, so like the dilation of the blood vessel locally, which ends up 
oozing all the blood material, like all the platelet, all the white blood cells, all the rest, all the immune system, and everything, which is going to make the bruise a bit as well, from the tear a little. And then you really elevate it, you compress it, and uh, yeah, you need to educate, basically. So you need to give people a bit of an idea about how the process happened, whether it's eccentric or concentric, whether it's a trauma. It's eccentric and concentric. So ec eccentric is going to be the two attachments of the muscle have been pulled apart. Concentric. And concentric is going to be the two attachments of the muscle are going to have been brought together. Mm -hmm. Whether it's passively stretched or actively stretched, or whether it's passively shortened or actively shortened is a bit the uh, interesting part in order to rehabilitate things a bit or people and after you got the love and I think it's uh, so I think the novel stuff is not to take anti-inflammatories that's the whole stuff really and uh, it's bizarre so the, uh, there's no ice no heat no ice is that because there's so much like this um, dispute between that yeah yeah, yeah. well the whole, the whole thing about ice was a uh, initial an initial vasoconstriction and then a vasodilation of the superficial tissue and I think the heat was an initial vasodilation and a, a secondary vasoconstriction so ice, it's, ice was a vasoconstriction well to start with yeah and then after it dilates the blood vessel oh so the heat the heat expands it and then, and then it contracts and it. then it contracts the and then the ice contracts, contracts it. it and then it dilates it and I think that was the main thing a little bit I think it's for vasomotion a little bit so it's gonna really activate all that blood pumping a little bit that we anyway so it was a bit of peculiar that... one I've, I've never come I've never really looked too much about it because I think ice is the best at, at, uh, for acute things that's it full stop and I think it's a little analgesic as well because of the cutaneous uh, part of the pain gate anyway with, does the, it, with, the, with the cold does it benefit to do with um, so you've got like heat shock proteins and then like I guess cold, you, do you have cold shock proteins as well I don't know I think you do yeah you do so there's loads of people doing like you know, like Wim Hof doing the ice yeah. stuff and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. learning from the ice or like, you know, getting ice therapy. And yeah, that's, 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 I think it's the same principle in terms of the vasomotion, basically. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so educate and they talk about your body knows best, avoid unnecessary passive treatment or medical investigation and let nature play its role. So not to do too, too, too much about it when you've got your sprained ankle and you need to leave it uh, happen. And then the whole stuff is after the initial acute phase, you need to be full of love, L-O-V-E-E, V-E-E. -E. And they talk about loading the joint. So if you got a sprained ankle, you need to be able to walk on it. However you go about walking on it, you need to be opt optimistic. I think that's uh, quite cool. I think that's quite great stuff. Yeah. Optimism. Because the main thing we are talking about for rehabilitation of people for persistent pain is the fact that they've been a little bit 
Uh, taken for a ride by their brain under the influence of adrenaline and have actually not been able to correlate certain things in a proper fashion or look at the consequence of certain things so they say it's painful there's some damage and therefore if I carry on doing I'm going to damage even even more and then I'm not going to be able to do anything about it when, when, I, when actually maybe they should carry on for example running Running is not so much a problem, but it's more the way you've actually uh, gone about to mitigate the effect running is having on you, in a way. So again, so it's not the running necessarily that's the problem. It's, that's the, that's that's it's the way you've gone about mitigating the effect running is putting on your body or on that body part, basically. So you need to be educated a bit, really, as well. So, so that, so, that mitigating the effect... Running's had on the body part is yeah. maybe what you've done badly, to, badly to, to come to a point where your body is actually injured. Yeah. So, so as an example, yeah, for for me when I was yeah. running and stuff, not I guess what I have done to mitigate the the effect running has on that body part was yeah. I didn't do lots of exercises for long periods of time, uh-huh. which I should have done to strengthen certain parts of my... That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. So if you train for a marathon and the management of your plantar fasciitis is to actually not uh, run, is actually making it worse, which is really quite peculiar because you actually need to load, you need to load the part, you need to be optimistic, you need to look for vascularization, you need to get for the blood supply, so you need to increase your metabolic rate. Again, uh, diapedesis, well, the rule of the artery is supreme, again, here. And exercise, so you need to restore mobility, strength, proprioception, by adopting an active approach. So you want to really go on a wobble board, you want to do bits and bobs, you need to... They're quite connected, aren't they? Because the education side of things, like the, I guess... All of love, yeah. the load, optimism, yeah. vascularization, and exercise. Yeah. I guess all four of those come with, like, you need to know, you a need bit, to learn. Yeah, yeah, a bit how you go about doing it, really. Yeah. That's the whole thing, really. You need to get a good understanding. If you run a marathon, you need to get a very good understanding of what running is on about. <laughs> because you do running. That's what you do. If you do running for 30 kilometers, or 22 miles, or I'm not sure how long is a marathon. 26. 26 miles. Obviously, I've not run one. And you need to know what he, what effect is going to have on you, really, in terms of dehydration, in terms of uh, 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 like nutrition, in terms of uh, a training plan, in terms of how long you've had to actually be running. In, and I think a lot we see, a lot of people tend to do successfully, mara- complete successfully marathon without too much buggering themselves because they've been running for the last five years. And people who wake up one morning and say like, oh, I'm 22, I play football, I can do Paris Marathon. And then you start, oh, have you been running before? It's like, well, no, but I play five aside on Thursday evening. Should be fun and I'm young, basically. And then usually, bang, the whole thing goes because they, they, are, they are not very good at uh, mitigating the effect the running is having on their body, yeah. basically. That's a... That's a that's like quite an interesting um, thing within itself because obviously we talk a lot about essentially people's motivations for expectations so mm-hmm. like their 
the human givens or the, these emotional needs yeah. and um, talking about I, that's similar to what I did even down to the fact that around the Paris Marathon when I was I don't know 24 or something mm-hmm. and um, maybe even 23 and it's really easy to get wrapped up in listening to uh, someone who's inspirational and there's a lot of people who are um, uh, inspirational both in like the fitness world but also mm-hmm. in like business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that nowadays mm-hmm. and so many of them are giving advice of like push yourself push yourself push yourself mm-hmm. like you can always you know we always drop out of 40% or you know you're only giving 51% or mm-hmm. stuff like that and you know that I think that's so unbelievably interesting because it's really true and it's and it's right that people say this kind of stuff but they don't say it with any it's like completely stripped of any context yeah, yeah. because what you don't see is that they, these people more often than not have spent so much time preparing themselves yeah. to the point where if they need to push themselves super hard for two three it, weeks no then they're able to like yeah. absolutely hammer their body yeah, yeah. physically if they're an athlete yeah, or yeah. mentally and yeah. maybe physically if they're working in business and launching something yes, 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 but it's yes. like you, you can't expect like I always use the analogy of like an elastic band you can't expect to go from like that to, to this straight yeah. away like that elastic band needs warming up to that's it, that's it, that's stretch it. properly that's it, that's otherwise it's going to snap and even even though I ran my like a first marathon three or four years ago then ran one last year then ran one this year it's like I was definitely definitely felt better this year but I was I was in a terrible state the whole way around mm-hmm. again and haven't been particularly Where great in lots of ways yeah. since yeah. and it's just like it's really hard to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. when you're so when you're if you're pumped up for motivation yeah, really. whether that's from your friends and family yeah. and then there's expectations that from you charity charity you to run for all those kind of stuff and saying the Si Shepard was it yeah yeah yeah. some interesting thing about the Si yeah I looked into them I've looked into them more it's just any any charity really it's just it's, very, it's all very interesting that's it, that's it, that's it. and a lot of people do that for charity I think it's good really and often they bugger themselves and the charity doesn't really help them to actually rehabilitate themselves really in a way really so you put yourself for a good cause you put yourself out there you uh, challenge yourself which is great really and uh, as long as it works I think it's not a problem really but it's when it starts to break uh, down a little bit where where you feel like you let go, let down the charity you let down your friends you let down the people who sponsored you because yeah. you've buggered yourself you can't actually go back running because it's painful and then the whole thing spirals a bit out of not out of control but you're not healing very well and you stress yourself by actually being in a situation really and I do treat quite a few people doing Ironman and triathlon and loads of quite high well a bit like yourself who do quite long distance type stuff Ironman is just another like running a marathon is one thing but doing an Ironman is like you you need to really know your body and and like train for an awful long time and just have an unbelievably good that's it base level and, uh, and even then it's maybe not I mean it's a couple of uh, of my clients have gone uh, I think they were in Austria or Germany last year to do a big event like that and then they came back and they were pretty buggered basically 
in terms of hydration, in terms of fatigue, in terms of uh, depleting and things like that. And then uh, one uh, one got better after two or three months and back on track and things. But the other was still lim- like dragging her herself a little bit. It's a lady and. It's quite interesting, really. So the load is put on her metabolism and thing, but the learning she's made by actually uh, having to cancel a couple of events this year, in a way, because she could not do them physically. So to be able to commit to not doing the event because of uh, you really look at how you feel and things like that, and to be able to be really con like. Uh, actively decide not to take part is almost as good as to almost uh, de- to decide to actually actively take part yeah which is actually quite an interesting thing really so learning how to not do it is actually as good as learning how to do it as well mm. yeah so because it's it's often harder because you've built up all these expectations that's it that's it that's it that's it. it and that, and this isn't this isn't a, so, a similar comparison really but it's but that's also the same with for, for me recently being a little bit unwell and not I've not gone to see some of my friends uh-huh. I've gone to Oslo uh-huh. to go see some of my friends and instead I prioritised work yeah. which is like it's really it's a horrible thing and, yeah. and but when you get over some of the things and you figure out maybe some of your reasonings it's like yeah. actually it feels quite nice it feels quite good yeah that's, 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 that's to do it sometimes you have to make sacrifices really a little bit of the sacrifice a bit really people have to make sacrifices regarding what uh, what their expectations are and how they go about uh, doing it really and fulfilling them really but in sports like that it's quite interesting stuff really so but you need to really remain optimistic and I think that's the whole the whole thing really a bit really because mm. a lot of uh, what we talk about is pain really and and we're trying to well I try to uh, uh, in my uh, clinical practice it's a bit like uh, to make pain a bit of an opportunity rather than a, an, a, a curse in a way really and I think that's quite that's why the whole stuff is uh, quite tricky there's people who are going to have really uh, half empty glass yeah and some people are going to have a half full glass so some people are going to be really quite happy to turn towards the positive when it's reframed from the negative you're not going to be able to run your marathon this year yeah well there's always next year and there's a how to manage and to understand how come you sprain your uh, hamstring basically this year really and if you figure out how you go about to putting so much load onto your hamstring that the one uh, uh, twist or thing is just uh, leading it to snap well all of a sudden the next year in the training well you're sure not to put again the load into your hamstring really and you can mm-hmm. mitigate it really in a way so therefore you're actually preparing yourself by actually dealing with the uh, injuries this year to the po- the to you diminish the likelihood of an injury next year really yeah and ideally if you keep working at it then most mostly mostly yeah. Uh, yeah. ideally over over the coming years you get to really know your body and that's that's, it, that's, it, that's, that's it. what i find that's what i found really well i guess that's what i've always really liked from whenever i've come to see you and and like doing these talks and stuff a bit more it's like either you 
you do something that's going to really bring all of your issues that you probably had have to surface quicker, mm-hmm. like like running or any other exercise. Mm-hmm. And some of these exercises will create new issues, that's but it. that's also part of the learning. Yeah. And so then you deal with them earlier and you understand them earlier. Mm-hmm. Potentially, that might give you a few few more years in your older years that's it of, of being able to be fit and yeah, yeah, still competing or exercising or yeah. something like that some, uh, some people at 95 they still run marathons so yeah. and, and on I top of that as well should be more like, people like that really what being able to run marathons in their 90s really yeah. they should be able to really people who are who, who've got a very very high uh, like in their life uh, goals and all those kind of stuff people who are driven that way and then they make sports and competition the center part of their lives with the musculoskeletal rehabilitation and all the data we've got nowadays it's like the it's yeah it's a revolution in uh, in uh, musculoskeletal rehabilitation basically but then it's also as as much as we've got incredible like technology it's also very easy for us to become very left brain within that and and say you know there's this injury there and therefore that's completely down to this yeah. whereas I was just thinking a minute ago when you were talking about the sprain hamstring or like yeah. any other um, I guess any other recurring um, injury that injury could be down to not just the sport as well, right? It could be down to, um, we talk in the course that we're, um, that we're working on at the moment with like, um, the APET model and pattern matching. So it it could be down to something a little bit more, you know, it could be more than just that exercise. So you've uh, actually pattern match the physical uh, part of it as well as pattern matching the emotional state uh, you were in. And you've maybe even pattern match the uh, uh, physical uh, state you were in as well at the same time as the uh, uh, emotional state. Yeah. So when you pick up the loose paper from the uh, boot of the car and uh, your wife is giving you an earful for the spoons being where the fork should be in a freaking drawer in the kitchen and then that's when your whole thing goes really. Because you go from the left to the right as you bend and you straighten yourself while somebody is really undermining your competence or something like that and then you did it on uh, at work and you were lifting a big bag of concrete from the bottom and you had to turn from the right to the left and that day you wrenched it big time really mm. but uh, you had a bit as well somebody nagging you in the background saying that you were an incompetent uh, uh, and uh, good for nothing really mm. and then all of a sudden you just pattern match your emotional state as well as a sequence of firing of muscle and the position you're in really mm. Because that's the beauty of it, really. We got two cerebral hemispheres, but we've got only one reptilian brain, really. So the reptilian brain and uh, amygdala being part of it, on that, uh, on that uh, autonomic nervous system and the limbic system, the part of the limbic system, it's uh, one for all. So all the different patterns have to come by then, really. Our language we pattern, our sound we pattern, our uh, uh, vision you pattern. I do stargazing, you look at constellation. Well, uh, Maoris, uh, there was no pigs, no 
no bloody uh, to uh, bulls, no giraffes, no uh, nothing there in the sky. Exactly, there was birds, there was like uh, sea creatures, there was like uh, mythologic gods from their uh, Fano and the whole Iwi and uh, that's the whole stuff really. They were in, they were pattern matching their world into the sky, and then if they don't have certain species, well. Where would you see a bloody uh, uh, camelopardis, like, or, or, or even a unicorn, like a monoceros? Next to Orion, there's monoceros, a unicorn. The unicorn in the mythology of the Maoris is not there, really. So in the sky, there is no unicorn. That's the thing, really. So you pattern match on many, many levels, like that, really. And it's crude as well, as you say. It's like. So, which is why a baby is able to take yeah. milk from a from a from the tit, yeah, yeah, yeah from, from a mum. That's it, that's it, that's it, or from a bottle, from a bottle exactly, yeah. on top of it, really. Yeah. So, because all nipples are going to be different shapes, size, and uh, and colors, and uh, taste, and whatever, really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the bottle is going to be the same. It's plastic. It's almost the same. It brings the whole milk and stuff like that. It fits in your mouth. You can uh, get the whole lot. Bing, douche, done. That's yeah. it, it works really. So, Which is why when your body has the pattern matching when it's rega- with regard to maybe um, the stress that you're under both uh, emotion- emotionally and, and physically, physically, it can be really, really crude to the point it. where you're not actually lifting any heavy weight. Exactly. It's that movement. And that movement and it doesn't have to be loaded and it doesn't have to be exactly from 15.2 degree to 17.5 uh, for the first 22 degree and then a uh, slight <laughs> extension at L2 on the whole. Yeah, it could be like that, but it's not like that. It's crude pattern matching. So it's just like a left to right movement really. Mm. or you turn to uh, shout at the kid in the car and then bang and then your low back goes really because you twist and then bang it's the same a bit yeah. all those situations I was, really I was actually talking to my dad about this um, on Saturday after we, we met because he was updating me with some stuff and then I was talking about the again the course on pain that we're doing and I was saying about when he was playing tig tag with us in France and reached out to he reached out to get one of us kids and we were all saying like that's that's crazy that he had to have X, Y and Z operations from yeah, disc yeah, yeah. and disc and disc and that situation and I was like you know he he was he's a big guy and yeah, maybe yeah. he was a bit overweight at that point which doesn't obviously help but doing that stretch was also probably didn't help but I wonder how much yeah. um, I wonder how much of it was the stress that he was under that's it, that's it, that's it. And it's quite interesting to look Bro- like broke his back, yeah, under the load a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. These some these things you can shoulder as well. So these things you can shoulder as well. Can't shoulder. Yeah. What do you mean? Is in situations you can't shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the that's the brilliant part in the English language about all the different emotions being being part of. Uh, of the uh, everyday language uh, related to body parts, really. It's brilliant, really. Well, that's a big weight off my shoulders. And big weight off my shoulders. You can shoulder it. You're a bit bilious. You're, you, you, you can't swallow it. You're a pain in the neck. You're, uh, you can't put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. All those kind of stuff. It's your Achilles heel. All the rest, really. Yeah. It's all in the same, really. There must, be, there must be plenty. No, I don't think in French it's really that. 
that pro that's uh, pronounced yeah with those kind of expressions it's quite interesting way mm. I don't know the crude pattern matching I think there's a is definitely where where the whole funnel comes into really and because there's only one amygdala at the end of the day the whole thing or is there two amygdalas but I think there's only one is it pair or is it uh, odd we actually have two two amygdalas yeah. that's it each amygdala is, is located close to the hippocampus so there's one hippocampus yeah in the frontal portion of the temporal lobe, lobe your amygdalae are essential to your ability to feel certain emotions and to perceive them in other people yeah there's a whole mirroring the pattern matching so some of the mirroring neurons like kids who are the age of six or seven when they start to look at themselves in the mirror they, they pick up uh, everybody else's emotions so when they see somebody sad a uh, uh, three year old doesn't really get sad mm. but like a seven or eight year old is going to be a bit distraught by seeing somebody crying quite a lot really so it's quite it's arousing empathy, empathy, empathy they empathize exactly, exactly you can't empathize before that really and those mirror neurons are uh, in uh, um, dolphins I think they still mirror neurons as well so you see, I'm talking, talking complete bullshit. I'm thinking there's only one run reptilian brain, and actually there's two amygdalae. There's one on the right and one on the left. So, but in other words, it's quite a primitive part of the brain, and it goes to two parts of the body as well. Yeah, so it has to deal with that really. But it needs to be integrated a bit. So all the thoughts and all recognizing people's emotion and pattern matching in your body all those kind of stuff is going into your amygdala that's the whole stuff really the pain response into your amygdala the whole trauma traumas and PTSD amygdala all the mm -hmm. rest and so it's quite it's quite those key places those key areas that you have to contend with really so there's a limitation limitation no well if you accept some of the limitations and you know them, uh, all the rest is possible, really. But on that uh, aspect, if it's an activating agent, it goes to pattern match, then is uh, you get a sensation and then the thought. Uh, if it's that the algorithm, you're not going to have it any other way, really. That's the whole thing, really. But after, there's uh, plenty of leeway for creativity and everything, really, but... No, it becomes quite interesting, really. For uh, I'm guessing the amygdala is used when you're um, when you're in REM sleep, when you're dreaming. As well, as well, yeah. When you're yeah. doing your like pattern. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Whatever that's And called. remember as well with your vision as well, because we say a lot that we are visual animals. We are not really led by our nose, but more by our eyes, really. And all what it comes with, with uh, all that uh, visual cortex in your uh, occipital lobe, all those kind of things, really. And the detection of the detection of movement outside. So we talked about the PGO spikes a little bit, which are like, you, you see something moving in your peripheral vision and you have to actually turn your eyes and your head uh, towards it to, so it takes you out of your uh, focus of attention. What does PGO stand for again? Uh, Ponto geniculo ocular. Is it? That's a good word. Ponto geniculo ocular. 
Ponto Geniculo Occipito. Occipitor, Occipitor, Occipitor. Occipitor. So it goes through the back of you, yeah, with your little muscle and thing. Anyway, for your suboccipital. Burst neurons. Yeah, that's quite an interesting thing because it would take up way too much uh, energy to be able to that's it. Cross, concentrate on everything. Exactly. Because eyes, that's why lots of other animals have um, yeah. other senses that that's are dominant. It, that's, it, that's, it, that's it. So the area in the brain is really big and it takes a lot of attention and therefore you're really focusing on that part of your vision. All the rest is a bit unautomated and your brain pattern matches it. So I can still see, when looking at you, I can still see that the uh, camera is black. But actually, or, or the draws, there's a lamp on the thing here, which is yellow. But I can't possibly see it physically because it's on my peripheral retina, yeah. which actually is not very, is not sensitive at all to color. It's just a, a, a sensitive to actually uh, contrast and movement, basically, okay? And it, it's almost uh, as sensitive as a one photon. So one photon hits that part, and you can you get an act uh, a potential uh, of action into your uh, neuron. One photon, and that's when the PGO, and then that's when the PGO spike is uh, triggered. The pon the pon ponto geniculo occipital spike occipital. is actually triggered, and you end up looking towards the wall movement in order to figure out whether it's a friend or foe but it takes you away from your your attention the way you had put your attention in the world lot is being disturbed and I hope you come out you need to be able to come out of that state of attention mm -hmm. and the dream is like a state of attention so there's lots of PGO spikes to change I think phases of uh, sleep and in dream and in REM ah oh, that's interesting so I think there is something like that don't quote me on it because I thought there was only one amygdala so when there's actually there's two so I guess it must be a bit bullshit really but no 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 um, so it's quite interesting watching shooting stars uh, like in August like you got the Perseids everybody knows uh, them a little bit the night of the shooting stars and if you're out camping in the Brecon and Beacons or in Exmoor or something in uh, up and you can lie down and then you look in uh, front of you really at all the stars the Milky Way and all of a sudden there's something moving in your peripheral up you can you almost can catch it you, you usually do catch yeah, it for yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really quite fast uh, thing. It really is really fast, fast conduction in order for it's the flight and flight uh, thing. Yeah, it was it, then heavily linked with is it, adrenaline. And then bang, and then whoosh, you pay a lot of attention, you forget about all the rest. It's in, quite interesting that like visually we're, we're almost like blinkered yeah. all, all the time, really. All the time. Like anything. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a slight cut. Yeah. Not, we're not always cartextic, but almost yeah. we're in like a state of well, slight. It's quite interesting as well being short-sighted and long-sighted. Okay. Like in the language, it, if you're really short-sighted, you can't really see the far. Yeah. And then when you put, when you're short-sighted, you can't really see far physically, really. But you can't see far in the future as well, really. So that's the other, le other level of the whole thing. Context, really. yeah. And if you're a little bit long-sighted, it means that you can't see really close to you, really. So you see quite far. And uh, I guess it gets uh, with older people, really. Older people are finding it uh, trickier to uh, see close to them. 
bizarrely, they tend to be long-sighted. But they've got quite a good idea because of their lives to look at, uh, they look back in the past quite a lot, really. Yeah. So they've got quite a breadth of looking forward, or forward, away from them, really. And they don't maybe want to look at the uh, now. Right Compared now. to younger people, they're more likely to look at now. And they've got so little breadth of, <laughs> of, of vision to the future, really, in a way, really. Mm -hmm. There's quite some good, quite interesting analogies like that, yeah. which are quite there's, quite... there's quite a lot of interesting uh, things like that. And uh, the other one on that uh, stand a little bit, which is my um, a very, very young, a very... Um, I think it's an, a very interesting way of comp of thinking, basically. And that whole metaphorical representation is really about the dream and the way the brain and how we function, really. And so the immune system, for example, the HLA, which is the human leukocyte antigen system, is how it's all organized, all the, pro all the uh, polysaccharides on top of the cells it, and uh, immunoglobulins is telling you or telling your immune system whether it's you or is it somebody else, basically. It's self or non-self. Okay, and you got different type of white blood cell leukocyte. You got like a macrophage, natural killer. You got eosinophil. You gonna you gonna get like a natural killer. Maybe I saw I talk about them. Tac, tac, tac. Anyway, there's quite a few of white blood cells, and they are there to really defend you against bacteria and viruses and cancer, all those kind of things. So when your cell gets cancerous, your immune system pays, at, pays attention quite a lot to the whole lot and tends to get rid of it, really, okay? Because it's changing its surface, there's quite a lot of different ways, really. That was the problem with AIDS. When it infects the cell, it doesn't change the superficial makeup of the cell. So it becomes, it becomes, it becomes indetectable. Exactly. For a very, very, very long time. For a very, very long time, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I think, and not only I, a lot of research has been done and seemingly finding correlation between that. People who are quite aggressive uh, and, and are dealing with others tend to be have quite a good immune system. They tend to have quite an immune system that is quite defending them quite properly, basically. Who who tends to really deal with certain uh, certain bacteria or certain viruses very to be well. quite aggressive. Exactly. So, so people who are a bit, uh, pa um, a bit more shy, a bit more introvert, all the rest like that. And yeah, so uh, maybe it's not far-fetched to think that the immune system would be a little bit like a correlate, uh, would be mirrored on your personality. But also the, Because so your personality deals with others and your immune system deals with others. Yeah. So why, why would there be two different systems, in a way? So, um, but we don't know too much the personality of Echerichia coli. We don't know too much the personality of measles. Or we don't know too much the personality of, I don't know, like, I had mums as a kid. Uh, and 
person uh, was di di disfigured. I was like a toad. I still got scarring everywhere. There was a big joke in the family that I was going to be sterile for all my life because my balls were so swollen. Everybody was laughing out loud. <laughs> that thing, really. You know, they were all purple and tumefied and things like that because of mums, really. That's what the problem, really. Kids get... Uh, the main uh, side effect of mumps is for boys to be actually sterile um, basically or have a volvulus or something like that so their testes uh, twist and then they cut the blood supply or something like that it's mm -hmm. really quite or the closing of your airways something like that yes it's lots of bits and bones but that's mostly that really so I had it and I think my sister had it so we are coming from the same parents and uh, same yeah. environment, same food, food yeah. all the rest, and things like that. And then uh, he had like a little swollen uh, gland here. And it was that. And I was, I was in the back of my knees, in my wrist, in my elbows, my armpit, my throat. I was like a, like a toad, basically. It was like pretty interesting, really. And then my sister didn't really respond very well, uh, badly to that, really. But I think she had rubella really badly. And I had a really, like, a, not even a fever, I'm pretty sure, really. I had a couple of spots and then a few red, a, a little erythema. And then that was that, really. And then she was, like, properly almost fitting from the temperature. Wow. And things like that, really. So you had to control her temperature with paracetamol and baths, uh, hot baths. To try to cool her down a little bit as well, that thing, really. So really quite, really quite interesting, yeah stuff really whether there's a correlation between those things really because <laughs> he's coming from the same part really and he has the same function one uh, deals with uh, non-self or non-self you and others on a macroscopic basis and the other one on a microscopic basis so yeah. how far-fetched is it to actually even contemplate the fact that it could be the same really it could be a correlation between the two really yeah there's, there's surely got to be a correlation with regard to like, if you had a particularly unhealthy uh, gut, for example, so your immune system is mainly built in your gut, uh -huh. right? Yeah, and, yeah. and if you had a really unhealthy gut biome from, I don't know, let's say constantly eating sugar, let's say everything you eat is yeah. largely either refined or or complex carbs and yeah, it's yeah. just like bad for your body, yeah, yeah. then surely that's going to play a part in your character anyway because... Well, there's probably an effect from eating yep. a lot of sugar all the time, energy-wise and maybe yeah, yeah. decision-wise. Exactly. But so you're going to have spikes, spikes in your sugar yeah. and then in your behavior. And then more yeah. than likely, as is often the case, I know whenever I go through periods of having like two or three sugary things a day, I then yep. start to really crave it. So then you've uh -huh. got the addiction side of things, it, which definitely, it. definitely has, you know, that's a big part of your... If you have an addiction, it is then a part of your... your character whether you then whether then whether that whether people will notice that or not whether you're good at hiding it uh, it's a part of your character and whether it's quite uh, acceptable really and socially acceptable because uh, doing iron man you have to have uh, some kind of addiction in a way really yeah it's i mean really you have yeah. to there's a bit of uh, uh, it's not a normal need for uh, on the bell curve 
for the majority of people, there's no need to actually exert yourself uh, that much. And actually, the, the science really shows that people who do Ironman tend to live uh, shorter lives. They tend to have more cardiovascular problems. They yeah, tend that, to have a bit be, more, be... more, more joint, more joint issues. Yeah. All the rest, for the, from the yeah. uh, repetitive strain, all the rest and things. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of negative in terms of that. Yeah. And uh, they tend to be quite poorly as well. At times, really, and we see because it depletes themselves in that, many ways. That's right? quite an interest. I think that's quite an interesting thing in itself because it's it's the same. Not that people who run marathons get have like a shorter life or or, or whatever, but it's like lot, whenever someone asks me about doing the marathon, not that I'm a runner necessarily. I'm, I'm yeah. not. You know, yeah. I didn't run for like eight eight or nine months between last marathon yeah. and this one, and then started running again. Yeah. But loads of people were like, oh, we're not meant to do that. But it's like, yeah. well, what are we meant to do? Yeah. It looks like we did a lot of hunting at, yeah. way back when. And it looks like a lot of that hunting was actually yeah. going over long distances and tiring these animals out before we could get to them. To well, we see them. the Maasai. It's like with the, we see with, quite a lot of Bushmen. And with the Iron Man. Aborigines like, who do that. Huh? It's like maybe people do have a shorter... Um, life expectancy if they run run a run iron man men frequently but it's like that's probably because they aren't doing it like right or they're they're ignoring it's like like you say why yeah, yeah. what was my motivation to for doing the, but the less, yeah, that's it, that's maybe it. i could get my needs met in a less, you, need, fashion. you need a, such a level of motivation yeah you need yeah. such a level of motivation and it puts such a metabolic uh, stress on you, an oxidative stress load on you. You need to have it f so finely tuned and balanced that actually it's very difficult not to wear, if it was really finely tuned, if your expectation of why is it you do what you do, are you a bit misguided a little bit about what is it, what is it you do it for? Why is it you're doing it for? How is it you go about doing it that needs to be addressed? And why is it you do as well? So that's the whole thing, really. Mm. Like, you fit your bike, you fit yourself on your bike, you do the whole lot, so you try to minimize all the effect it has on you. But nonetheless, your joints are taking a battering, really. That's yeah, but if, lot, if, really. If, you, if you were doing it... So my when most people do a trying, like a hard... Um, uh, like physical, uh, almost like competition, like an Ironman or marathon, yeah. they book it, and they they may have been running, but they they then book it, and then they've yeah. got a date yeah. to write between now and it might be eighteen months. Which is like, yeah. if if it's eighteen months yeah, it's and you yeah. already run yeah. and you're doing a marathon, yeah. great, you got loads of time, use it all. Yeah. For me, I I found but out need to I be... got to the marathon last. Yeah what October yeah. and it didn't really start running until the new year yeah. and it's like if you set a date then you or it might even be that you've booked something in three months time and you're like right crap now I need to work towards that but yeah. it's like that's a really um, it seems to me like that's the wrong way to do it and you should get to a point where it's like I am able at any time at any time right now for someone to say, you have to run a marathon tomorrow yeah. and I'm able to run it and healthily. Yeah. And there's a guy, a hunter who who runs marathons or he runs a lot because he likes to do hunting traditionally and even like, you know, he, he'll he he'll pack out the animal yeah. and, and hike back with the animal yeah. 
on his back to, to his truck yeah. and he did like a marathon a day for like seven days yeah. and you got so much hate for it because um, because people were like that's terrible for you but for him yeah. he's he never does he's he never goes a day without running seven or thirteen miles. And he's been running for a really, 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 really long time. Yeah. And so for him, if he's been running for like let's say I don't know how long, but let's say like ten or fifteen years. Statistics don't apply to one person, they apply to a big population. No, but that's why so that's on, the why bell, think, on the bell curve there's quite a few yeah. interesting people who have got genetic predispositions, they've got slow twitch uh, fibers more than the fast twitch ones. They are genetically predisposed to doing the whole lot and things. There's a there's tribes where you see the correlation with uh, diabetes and things like that in South America and then uh, there are traditional ways like uh, being on ledges and then running all the time really. It's a very maintenance type stuff and they go for A to B, they run really. They run, they run, they run, and they've got a very poor, in a complex carb uh, type diet really. And all of a sudden, uh, they go to the city and they drink pop and things like that. They become completely obese and they've got diabetes like that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So it's. It, but, 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 they are predisposed a little bit, their environment and is very specialized type of people in very specialized environment. In terms of the average Joe bloke, if you decide to, as a Joe bloke, to do Ironman and, uh, and exercise in a very high level, like that, because Ironman, I think, is quite high level. Yeah, yeah. If you do like 120 kilometers on a bike and, and a, a marathon, a marathon yeah. and uh, four, three kilometers uh, swimming or something like that, yeah. it's, it's enough, really, yeah? So with the training, I think, you will damage your cartilage, you will age your cardiovascular system much more. It's science. It's on the whole lot. If, if, you're, if you're average Joe on that bell, bell curve, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was, that's what yeah. I was getting at. Which is, which a, is, like, the, which is the, the majority why, which is the majority of the population. The reason why that, that belt, the majority on, the reason why that statistic lives is yeah. because it it's almost like people are doing it for very egoic reasons like yeah. o- almost because it's it's really hard not to it's re- like it's like if someone says know, somebody said I do it for uh, uh, mind charity or I do it for uh, uh, Alzheimer UK or I do it because my dad has a Parkinson or something like that yeah but even then I, I, I the race really. so people have got to believe that it's completely Removed. It might. It might be in large part that, like the mind thing or whatever. But I, like maybe it's because I find myself being quite an egoic person. Mm-hmm. I struggle to see it from. But some people do things for very pure reasons. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that, and that's yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I wish I could do things for yeah, really yeah. pure reasons. Maybe I don't see. I don't see. Well. I was. Not, I, think, I was I inferring a bit don't. on the fact a bit sarcastically that they were. Uh, saying they were doing it for the charity, but oh, they yeah. were may- maybe actually doing it for uh, an- another reason, really. But, but yeah, fitness to be fit, to be nana, to be nana, to be whatever, to do whatever. I think the overarching type thing when you have to uh, be on your bike for 120 kilometers, you really, you really, really, really. He are addicted to the altered state of consciousness. So 180 kilometers. 180 kilometers. Just under four kilometer swim. Train, that's it. And then 42 uh, kilometers run. Uh, yeah, that's it, a marathon. Uh, that is absolutely 
I used to think that I would do an Ironman, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, insane. if you don't want to age too too fast and bugger yourself too much, uh, I would advise not to. But um, is that the whole thing really? It's just a, a state of attention you're in. You need to be in a locked state of attention when you're looking at your front wheel turn and turn and turn and turn. You're not there to look at the bloody countryside really. It's not like uh, bloody Holland and you're uh, seeing all the uh, all the windmills. Okay, it's definitely you're in locked into that state of attention really and you need that uh, dream state in order to process your stress to process your problems to uh, go about trying to rationalize uh, things all those kind of stuff really so people do it to actually mitigate their stress that's the whole thing people and they get addicted to that way of doing to mitigate their stress Mm. and they put all their eggs in one basket and then you snap your hamstring no more Iron Man how is it you're going to do now that you're spending 35 hours a week exercising how is it you're going to do to mitigate your stress what is it else you're doing and that's how people can get into some really big state like like get some really bad disorders like fibromyalgia and yeah, yeah, like get yeah. massive bouts of depression yeah, yeah. or persist uh, chronic pain you look at how many how many prescriptions there is for uh, pain killing medication in the UK and uh, you're uh, you're a bit staggered by the amount of consumption of opiates as well really because that's it really you do it for the headspace but you do it for the reward as well and your brain does that pretty well, really. It sends you loads of opiates, really. And all of a sudden, if you don't do your uh, your uh, your 30 mile or 50 mile uh, outing on your bike, uh, you don't get that much uh, endorphins, really. You don't feel very rewarded for having gone around the block on your foot with your dog. Mm. It doesn't reward you at all, really. So you up the game. When you take uh, opiates for a long period of time, you might, have, you might notice that you take three or four times as much as you, as you did initially. And you still have got the same amount of pain. The more opiates you take, the more susceptible you are to pain. Mm. The longer and the more opiates you take, the more susceptible you're going to be uh, to pain. The more you exercise to an extreme level, the more the reward mechanism is going to be heightened. If you do anything less than that, you are not rewarded. Why did why did that why did our reward system evolve like that? I remember asking you this before and wondering whether it was because if if you are doing something and you get X reward because you can't the next day you get you get more you, you have to do more to get the same reward yeah. and then it's almost as if it's it's yeah. there to like propel us into doing more and more and and yeah yeah no it's not, maybe not yeah you get motivated as well because of all your needs that's the whole thing really you act in a world you use your dopamine energetic uh, system to be able to propel you in a world in a meaningful fashion and in a in a willingful fashion to be able to actually meet your needs and that's actually stabilizing your mood and that's putting because that's putting you in that uh, dominance hierarchy a little bit so that you're trying to climb the higher dominance hierarchy or you actually find your place in a dominance hierarchy and you get rewarded for that and yeah maybe you need to do more and more and more and more but is that uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean more and more and more and more to um, I'm not saying to like 
more and more and more to climb up the dominance hierarchy yeah. maybe that's an effect as, as, especially initially if I think about someone so like if you think about like the 10,000 hours it takes to become really really proficient in something or really mm-hmm. like yeah professional it's like if initially if you keep getting better 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 you're you probably are going to go up the dominance hierarchy yeah. just by virtue of the fact that you're going from zero to one let's say yeah, yeah. and you're actually learning something really really well yeah but then at some point it's like you're you can't you're not just going to be necessarily happy with that it's like i just came from theo he cut my hair and he spoke yeah. about all the things that he would like to do in the future yeah. he still wants to cut hair but he's, he, do, he doesn't want to do that all day every day yeah. and it's like you can get really really good and he's probably really enjoyed yeah. the journey of becoming really good yeah. but then it's almost as if like I think that mm-hmm. reward system has evolved yeah. in that way. He's, he's like, a person who doesn't have a, a wife, three children, and a dog too much. Yeah, but that's that's, 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 really, that's still part of it. That's, that's still it, part that's of it because it's yeah, like, yeah, it's what it's, it's, you're, you're it's then, part of what he wants to do. To, of course, of course, you're that's then cool. going to have to do X, Y, and Z if you've got a wife and some kids and a dog. Of course, of course, of course. But the inclination you have of doing it because your attention cannot be focused solely on yourself. Once uh, you're uh, there and about doing the whole lot, you need to help others to do it for themselves. Yeah, but then and, and, and you need to do it for yourself as well. Mm. And the uh, main problem is when you have to focus on other people, there's a part of your focus on yourself who goes. Yeah, it's, I mean, really, and to be an adult, and to be and to be an adult, you have to actually put yourself second. If you want to be a parent, you need to try to put yeah, the needs of your kids not, first. That's not part of what I'm talking about. And therefore, so, you have to split your attention. You have to split your attention. That's still, that's still not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like the reward system. Is like it's it's if we use it yeah. instead of shortcutting it with painkillers and whatever other things, yeah, 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 yeah. shortcut it. It's like it's a self-propelling thing because it's like your reward for something. I don't know. You, if your you glasses can... are full, maybe it's not. You quite co- some people have got very very huge potential and they don't do fuck all about it. And some people have got very yeah. very small potential and they do uh, all of it. 100%. And some people have got a great potential and want to do more of it. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's great. Yeah, but, but they have to contend with the fact that my my question or yeah, point yeah. is is that I think. Or I'm asking, yeah. are those people who, whether they have no potential or loads of potential, if they're if they're using whatever potential they've got to the best of their ability, yeah. I think they're really utilizing that reward system and yeah, self-propelling. Because, yeah. yeah, like yeah. as you say, with a friend, it's like you know, or a friend there, it's like he he works harder than. Um, and then maybe one day he's like oh now I want to get really good at something I'm going to try and get good at something else and uh-huh. maybe that good at something else is becoming a maybe that's like becoming a, a husband and a father uh-huh. and you just keep going course, and using course, the course, system but your but your motivation system the yeah. endorphin is like that's almost like the steering the ship it's like yeah, what yeah. what is your mo- like what are you motivated to do is yeah, it yeah. become a really good barber yeah. is it do this or is it do this or yeah. is it become a really good father or but remember it's all about meeting your needs so being a good barber is to or be competent is to be able to uh, be part of the community to be able to talk to people be close to them cut their their like hair greasy hair or dry hair or things like that you have to be in contact with people a little bit it's a status it's a way to meet your needs of financial security it's all the whole control you have over your scissors all the rest and things really 
it's all that that you do really that's what motivates yeah, you really. and your reward system has enabled you to get many of those things yeah but like i kind of i view endorphins and our motivation our motivational system yeah. as like how do you want to steer this ship yeah. or, or do you even want to steer it are you not going to do it, any mm-hmm. of it and then and it gives you the initial like boost it, in, in a direction and then you need to you need to catch on to the reward system mm-hmm. like not as soon as you can but relatively quickly because mm-hmm. if you start being a barber and someone says right you you have to you know you're going to cut I don't know that barber's not such a great example in this situation but let's say web developer for example yeah. if you want to be a web developer and someone goes and you're really motivated and then someone's like right you have to develop a website and do it this like here's your brief off yeah. you go if you don't know anything and you yeah. have to self learn yeah. it's going to take you forever to do it yeah. and you, you're not getting much reward so all of your yeah. motivation's gone down at that point and you need some reward it, so it's it. like taking small steps to begin with like with the um, dopamine and then yeah. And then reward, small, yeah. and then again, and then again, and then slowly yeah. your reward is delayed anyway. So yeah. then you take bigger steps and you become take those bigger steps to become more proficient in lots that's of it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And then, he, and then at one stage, it tips over, and you're thinking you're meeting the need, but actually you don't. Yeah, you become, and then you don't think you still have enough of the whole stuff. You already got a lot of. But maybe, maybe and, that's, and that's, why, that's why it tips over, and then it becomes an addiction. Yeah, yeah maybe, so I think we agree on the whole on the whole mechanism. That's like that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, or something, something like that. I mean, it could be completely yeah, wrong. it's a like, negative feedback loop. Saying. It's a negative feedback loop. That's how it works, really. Yeah. So you don't think you've got enough competence. You get better at the whole lot, and the better you get at it, the least competent you think you are. And even and the day you think you're so very much competent, what is it you do really? You stop doing it? No, you carry on doing it because you never think you're very good at doing the whole lot, really. You want to be a perfectionist. That's perfectionist, really. Why would you you bike from uh, your house to work? It's 12 miles return in a day. Why would you want to spend 16 hours at the weekend like like getting callous on your bum on your bike when actually you've got your family at home you've got your kids to play with you got all those kind of stuff really it's yeah. I mean really yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. whole lot a bit yeah. because there is a need for you to de-stress and you put an expectation on the whole thing and it doesn't give it, give it to you so you carry on doing more of it really the first fag you're having if it's to make friends and uh, you become part of the whole gang of uh, cool kids in the school well the cigarette gave you friends Really, so mm. that's it. Really, and, and it then you want then, to be addicted. I take you want to be addicted, yeah. And then you smoke your flag, and then it's like, uh, I mean, your friend is there. Oh, there's not many. Well, I might as well try again. And you pack, 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 and then that's it. Really, you mean first? I think it's quite easy. Addiction's it. super interesting because I, I don't think many people um, would consider themselves to be addicted, yeah. But I don't think I know many people. Who aren't addicted? No, I think we don't know many people who don't have an addictive uh, tendency. Yeah, and aren't addicted. I think nearly oh, oh, addicted. I think yeah, yeah, most course, people I know are yeah, addicted. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. might be a relatively harmless addiction. But no, if it's a, if it's an addiction, it's not harmless. Well, yeah, it, no, it's cataclysmic, yeah. and therefore it prevents you from seeing the tree from the forest. That's the main problem, really. There's not too many people who are. Uh, 
But maybe the Buddhist monk is addicted to and is in uh, in his cave in Himalayas and is in a rarefied uh, oxygen environment in very low temperature and he keeps his balls nicely on the ice and for <laughs> prevented from melting type stuff. He manages his metabolism and stuff like that. Uh, he, yeah, he's not addicted to what? But yeah, he's addicted to uh, doing it really. Mm. He's addicted to. Um, He's doing too much of it, really. To be like, yes, yeah, that's great to be completely into managing your uh, your uh, thermoregulation and the meditation around it, really. But there's not much else to do. <laughs> that's the thing, really. Is to be so he's really at the top of the hierarchy, dominance hierarchy of really warm balls when it's cold. Yeah, that's great. It's brilliant. He's got only one pyramid. All the other pyramid is really like he's gone. And he's so locked in that way of doing that, yeah, he's great. It would be awesome to be able to do that for all of us, but we won't have babies. We won't. No, make... maybe we will have babies. Oh, what? I don't know. I don't know if you're uh, focusing on, uh, oh, yeah, on, yeah. on uh, lowering your body temperature for your balls not to freeze. Uh, no, not to, like, there's no motivation. Like <laughs> it's fine. That's gone. And they are too cold anyway for the spermatogenesis. No, no, it, it becomes... I don't know, I don't know. It's just like... It's difficult to describe a little bit because it's a loop again, really. And there's plenty of ways to start it and think, really. What starts it is at the... Is that the stuff or the addiction and the reward who does it and the lot and thing really you're here to try to meet some needs and you need to try to uh, contain to the fact that you're actually gonna die in a not too long future and you need to be able to make it a meaningful experience and you have to contend with seven other billion people on earth that's the other thing really and you have to contend with the second law of thermodynamic you have to contend with uh, <laughs> your amygdala you have to contend with a uh, couple of things really that's the thing really how is it you manage to make the most of it that's, yeah. that's what it's on about really and, and maybe maybe having What's a the crutch as some people would call their addiction yeah and having a crutch is like I don't know whatever gets you through that gets you up in the morning and you know you're able to That's it. Be with your kids and, yeah. and uh, go to work, do a good job, uh, and be good at what you do, and then try to excel at the whole lot, and then uh, go to the pub and be part of the community, and help uh, the village to be cleaned once in a while, and then, uh, I don't know, like uh, go on uh, walking stuff, and meeting people, doing a few uh, lectures, and uh, no, whatever, whatever rocks your boat, really, mm. at the whole lot, really. How is uh, training for Iron Man helping you to be with others on the wall stuff? You have a very unique community that <clears throat> that probably doesn't meet. So status, frequently. it should be about status as well. As well. Mm. So it's quite uh, a bit of elitist type stuff, really. But the, is the community gonna come and, and wipe the bum of your baby? And it's gonna come and uh, and uh, pay some uh, attention to your uh, son who's really uh, struggling at school. When you're on your bike out and you're really on the wall lot, thinking about the front wheel of your wall and stuff. But not to caricature at all, because I think physical exertion is a, a very interesting thing. But putting all no. your all your 
all your resources into one basket in order to try to mitigate your stress by actually stressing yourself is actually a bit it defeats the purpose a bit yeah. and it, it's just the one thing really. it, it can it can actually be the thing that you use to de-stress can actually probably become one of the most stressful things within that's it exactly life. but it's also it's also not like cigarette, say, like cigarette. yeah it's, mm. not, it's not to say that any anything done more than moderation is like a negative thing yeah. it's just like uh, but, but it's, it's it's just, uh, are we defining iron man uh, do we do we define iron man as a, a moderate thing for for when the, it, on a bell curve for, on a bell curve for an iron man it's more the training that is not that could be um not moderate what's the opposite of moderate yeah, yeah. immoderate yeah. immoderate yeah. 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 yeah and extreme extreme and yeah, yeah. and w- like and long with and all long. of this it's like that's that's what I think is so great about it it's like it's not really saying that anything necessarily is bad even if you're even if you're doing like it even if it is an addiction and even if you are doing it a lot it's just like what is your addiction what is what you believe in and you're believing in a lot if, if you're an, uh, addicted to something what is that preventing you from believing and it's like and that's that's the yeah. that's the thing that I keep trying to figure out for myself which is like how can I get myself into a state relatively frequently as frequently as possible yeah. probably even daily yeah. because um, hourly would be even better hourly yeah. yeah how can I get myself into a state where I can question the reasoning why I'm doing something in a in a neutral in a level headed rational uh-huh. de-aroused state how is it helping me to meet all my needs now? and what and I'm doing what needs am I trying to get met because that's one I often find really, really tricky because it's like the. But you need to you need to fulfill them all. <laughs> That's no, no, the thing, no. really. Yeah, you but... need to be able to try to feel, fulfill them all. Yeah, but what does that look like? Like which ones am I? I like, don't know. It's nearly always. I'm not, I'm, I'm not called. I'm, to... I'm not called. Uh... Elliot Greenman, I'm called Alexi. Yeah, that, that's exactly that's that's so that's my that's where creativity was. that's where creativity comes into play. You got uh, volition and you can do however you want about uh, doing it. Really, well, if it helps you, as long as it's uh, being part of uh, to be able to do it with others. If you do it on your own, it's not, not the point. Really, you want to improve yourself and further yourself to be able to help others to further themselves. In a way, because once you start to further yourself, there's no, in a very humanistic fashion of looking at it, once you start, it's not egoistic. You, but you, but unless you know about yourself, then you know about others and their limitations. And therefore, you can share that with others. And therefore, you're on a better playing field to be able to interact with people. In a way, really. And that whole human given and telling somebody who does Iron Man that they're a little bit head in the handlebars and that they're not seeing maybe the tree from the forest and that they're a little bit uh, maybe uh, competence freaks or they're a bit... If they think they're getting part of a community for the whole lot, I think it's a, a bit of a steep hill to get to that community. In a way, but yeah, Iron Man's probably and, not a good example. And, but yeah, running, yeah, but whatever. Um, maybe ultra marathons, like I think ultra marathon. Yeah, yeah, people definitely. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's. But, 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 
I'm just saying it's great. It's, it's great to have all the uh, possibilities. But you have to contend with the consequences because it's going to be a sacrifice you're going to have to make to have to commit to the amount of time of exercising. And that level of, uh, of pounding you're putting, metabolic demand you're putting on yourself, mechanical demand you're putting on yourself. There's loads to cater for. So you need to better know yourself quite well. You need to be quite reactive. You need to know what the need is. And you need to be able to do all the other things as well. And if you think you can have a balanced life by uh, doing an extra 35 hours of exercising a, a week, well, you need to sleep as well. And uh, you need to be able to work maybe. And you need to be able to look after others and yourself and somebody else really. Maybe. Unless, unless you don't have anyone else. And, and then you can uh, further yourself for yourself on your own in your little thing. It's great. But it's not really what being a human is on about, really. Mm. That's the whole thing. It loses its essence a little bit. And uh, 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 humanism... What was, the, what was the thing? It's quite interesting. Uh, what book's that? Uh, Enlightenment Now uh, from Pinker. The guy called Pinker. What is it? Tac, 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 I'm not going to find it. What's it, what's it talking about? Is, is this on humanism? Yeah, it's on humanism. Just this one here. But, uh, uh, he says every... It's all about progress a bit. So is it is it progressing? Is it making you progress? Is it helping you to reach a higher level of consciousness? Yourself. But it's... Yeah. Is it progress for yourself on your own? And I can't find the quote here about the whole thing, really. Uh, but it says that everything that is not forbidden by law of nature is achievable, given the right knowledge. So you're able to do, and I think that's why you're arguing a little bit, with the right type of training and the right type of knowledge about yourself, about nutrition, hydration, about uh, stretching, about musculoskeletal rehabilitation, and about techniques in running, in uh, biking, and then in swimming, you can maybe uh, achieve the whole thing. Uh, in the, yeah, you can achieve In a balanced fashion. In a balanced fashion, and you can be helped by others to be able to achieve it. So you can belong to a bit of a community, and you can meet those needs that way, really. Yeah, no doubt. Because because that's that's what I've been thinking about a bit recently. Um, listening, as I often do, to Jordan Peterson, oh, was where, it, uh... where he he talks about how like he says, um, <clears throat> oh, I can't even remember exactly what he says, but. He's, he basically talks about obviously there's the like cleaning your room thing and then doing yeah, an extra little bit and then and he says you have absolutely no idea how efficient you can become he's like you, you like if you if you map out you know if you say that tomorrow you're going to do x y and z but you give yourself the best day you, like how he says how do you want tomorrow to be yeah productivity uh, yeah. a bit really yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. absolutely no idea how product how productive super hyper productive people yeah. become but it's just from mapping routine. things out yeah. routine it's like not only are you learning let's say for us with our the course that yeah. we're doing and then 
the, the podcast and then there's a couple of other things that I do a little bit of it's like not only am I learning how the competence of what I need to do to be able to video stuff and the audio and you know, it's like but I'm also I'm also learning how to integrate that in your everyday life as well and how to deal yeah. with it post product it and all the world how to slot it in a way that is actually not becoming too much of a burden and it's making it it makes you progress really yeah so it it's makes a, you so go it's forward a, it's actually really. a bit more enjoyable and That's although it. I'm at the point at the moment I'm never like oh I actually really want to sit down and do this yeah. on on Sunday I didn't have a huge amount of sleep and. Yeah. I, I got up and made myself some food and I just got on with what I had to do. Then I actually started to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's like definitely not at a point where I would call myself a productive person at all, but I'm definitely more productive or at least this weekend and last week was much, yeah. much more productive. And than, the whole stuff is having burst of uh, productivity like that is quite interesting. But the guys who are very efficient and who, who are crushing it, who are super successful, tend to actually do it all the time. Yeah. It's a routine. They're into yeah. that uh, way of going about doing the whole lot. So they go to the gym at that time and they go on the whole lot. They sleep that amount of time. They are regimented. They are really in a routine. They are really, and that works really well with your brain, with your metabolism. It's clockwork, really. It's yeah. clockwork, really. And then, and then that, that's um, something I thought about. And I spoke to a friend about this on Saturday with routine. And they were like, oh, I'm terrible without routine. And I was like, I personally think that our bodies are set up. Like, like very much so like a reward system blah 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 for routine yeah. and then and then someone's like oh but I love spontaneity it's like yeah, yeah. it's like that's the difference spontaneity between is, chaos and, or, cannot, and order yeah but, but spontaneity can't be there it cannot be spontaneous in a chaotic environment really well anyway spot, spon- spontaneity comes from, be, from being something a bit chaotic into in an orderly world exactly so that's like, the whole stuff like, that's spontaneity it's like everything is chaos right? Yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is chaos but you use something to bring some order to it and yeah. then, but chaos is really really fun yeah. and having that line between chaos and order is really important yeah. but if you have every, if you have lots of routine chaos lots of things <laughs> in, it is if you have lots of things in order yeah. then if you want to do something chaotic like yeah. oh I'm going to do something spontaneous or I'm yeah. gonna, I don't know I can actually feasibly go away for two nights down to the beach and go surfing or yeah, yeah. or I can go out tonight or I can go for a meal or whatever yeah. it's like if you have lots of really great order yeah. and routine then just allowing that bit of spontane- spontaneity yeah. or as I like to see it as, as chaos yeah. into that routine every now and then is great yeah. but if if like for me it was like everything like okay. everything was chaotic I, I didn't turn up to work on uh, at the same time at any point yeah. like I like I'm not in a routine now for sure but I've done like what five work days in a row where I've turned up at the same time but it's like it everything was chaos and yeah. it's really difficult it's so difficult for me to still my mind and yeah. then when I when I know that I need to come on to doing something it's like it's really difficult for me to say yes then because yeah. it's almost like I, I need to just zone out or something I don't know what but I just I'm not in that in that life of chaos where like there's no order to anything <laughs> there's no structure or at least I don't stick to the structure yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah and and there is a structure around you, a, but you don't. You decide not to follow it, because yeah. there's really lots of structures. The, red, the green light, everybody stops at the red light, and 
Everybody goes at the green light. If there's no structure, it just goes yeah, to pot. Chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And chaos is actually not really fun. When you're in the South Sudan, you can see what chaos is a bit, where the state has completely gone, and there's a lawless state, and there's a state of chaos, <laughs> and uh, it involves a bit of suffering, I can tell you. Yeah, but that's... The fun, that, the that's fun like... is quickly The fun is quickly taken out of the whole proposition. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I mean a tiny drop of chaos. A tiny drop in, of... In, a, a, yeah. a smidge so, of it. So a like being able to, I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. stop I off think, somewhere I think, for coffee. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or a little bit of order in a sea of chaos, I think is uh, already quite good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no 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 there's a guy called um, but a little uh, drop of chaos into a chaotic world it becomes a bit tricky so we need to get that entropy a bit reversed it a bit in a way and that's what being human is on about we bring order a bit to the world a little bit really that's the whole thing really uh, well, but then there's there's that, something that, that, that I kind of I kind of agree with which is some people who are like like <laughs> what who I don't know who gave us the job of bringing order to the world? Like, why should we? Because you got a left brain, mate. <laughs> you got a left brain. That's what brings you order to your world, really. That's what sequences everything. That's what uh, gives you knowledge. That's what uh, makes you apprehend the world in a sequential fashion and a, a, a directional fashion, in a way. And then, yeah, your right brain, uh, but that makes you a bit autistic. And uh, yes, your right brain is great for creativity and for lateral thinking and stuff like that, really. Uh, society have not been built on the right brains. That's a bit the tricky part. And uh, the way our, uh, the world, the current uh, way, the world, the economy, the whole uh, uh, state, the uh, law, everything is going is from a left uh, point, a brain point of view. Mm. Okay, and being autistic in the world is actually not too 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 bad. Being a schizophrenic or psychotic is not very good because you don't. There's no room for you really. You're too pushed into your right brain. If you're is, too, is that because our society is set up in a very left brain way? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's organized. It's called organization. You organize things with you don't organize things with your right brain. <laughs> you don't you don't do that. You actually splatter them. You put them in your anus. You shit them on you the wall, wall and then to. you see the result. And it's quite entertaining, no doubt. But it's not really helping to cook rice and to uh, make profit and then to organize society to go voting, all those kind of stuff. It becomes quite we the main thing for us to be able to tame a little bit our right brain and the effect of it we need to understand our left brain quite well as well and then in that uh, order and in that routine you can uh, bring a little bit of chaos but you can bring a bit of right brain a little bit of creativity because you need to be able to be flexible about the whole lot really that's a bit the whole thing I think was, it was a quote from Spinoza actually Spinoza and humanism uh, when you're a real humanist uh, you do things for you try to enhance the knowledge of yourself but uh, you f quickly realize that it's there for you to enhance the knowledge of everybody else really that's quite humanistic way I thought I had written it down somewhere huh? You sent it to me on WhatsApp. Ah, yes, that's it, that's it, that's it. I sent it to me on WhatsApp, that's it. Did you, did you find it? 
WhatsApp. I think there is a little bit somewhere here. Those who are governed by reason desire nothing for themselves which they do not also desire for the rest of humankind. Spinoza. Those who are governed by reason desire nothing for themselves which they do not also desire for the rest of humankind. Because you have to contend with the fact that your uncle when it's strained is to do with your ankle the location in your body so you need to pay attention to the location of your body you have to pay attention to the fact that now the expectation you had of what you should have been doing with your ankle is a bit buggered and you have to reframe that a little bit so running your marathon and your expectation of that is gone or actually your uh, uh, expectation of fame and belonging to that little group of people who, who finishers you know, marathon finishers is a bit shattered. You're going to have to find a different uh, group to belong to. The ones who actually run the marathon with the sprain ankle finishers type thing. It's a different proposition. And you need to uh, contend with the fact that everybody else's uh, uh, ankle is doing uh, things they want to do and yours is not. So, so say the quote again. And the third one, you have to contend with the fact that everybody else's uncle is doing what they expected to do, but not yours. Because when your uncle is sprained, yes, it's about you, but it's about all the others whose uncle are not sprained. Mm, so it's the relativity kind of side of it. Uh, yeah, you need to contend with the others around you, really, because you're not going to be running your London Marathon on your own, really. That's the problem, really. You're going to run it with so many other people and those people are going to be able to run it and not you. What happens if you are able as a human to completely remove any, like literally not care at all, have zero expectations of everyone else on the planet? Not in a negative way. Yeah. But... Well, you die. Nah. Yeah, like, you die. What's if you... I think or, you're or, so narcissistic. It's called narcissistic. It's called, I yeah. think it must be a de good definition of narcissism. Because uh, I don't were, think it is. I you're, thought you're I thought so towards yourself. No, that's not it though. That's different. That's so. The reason why I say that is because of this. Um, you mean altruistic? No, you mean no, altruistic. No, still not. This yeah. um, basically this uh, entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk, who I particularly like, um, he talks about how. He doesn't expect anything from anyone. So he, he doesn't... Like, there's nothing anyone can say. Yeah, but say. he's already expecting something. See if he's expecting nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Nothing, really. Of, of so course. He's, got, he's got a very low level of expectation. Exactly. But nonetheless, he's got expectation. Of course. He's talking about expectation. So that's it, yeah. really. So of course. He's got but, very low expectation he, about return. So he, he's expecting it not to be reciprocated, maybe the same. He needs to explain a bit what, uh, what is he expecting. No, he, he's expecting nothing from people. What does nothing mean? That's the whole thing, really. Yeah. For it to make sense, really. You don't ex you, I refer you a patient and you don't get a referral. Were you expecting to be reciprocated? Or were you refer, were you referring me that patient to be, to have another patient and to be referred, for me to refer you somebody? Or were you, uh, referring me the person to help the person because your skills were actually out of reach of the whole problem? And then you send it to somebody else. 
Know, so you're the one actually giving the patient the opportunity to actually get better because you find the right person to do it but, you, but yourself mm. in a way or do you do it because the person you refer it to is actually giving you an incentive to actually do right. it yeah. that's it or do you do it so then, then, there, then there is an expectation that's it, that's it, that's it. I kind of understand yeah you're right this guy needs to clarify it a little bit more but I kind of understand what he's getting at which is like which is it's almost like in business as well like you cannot hyper, hyper responsibility just like everything it's not so much that you know you obviously in business for example you have to ask people to do stuff and people have to do stuff and then you have to expect for them to do that and if if one of his employees keeps on letting him down while well, he does have expectations of that employee and he will have to let them go of course yeah but it's like I find it really interesting to be like if if in that example he had an employer that didn't do do some work he'd be yeah. like well that's my fault that like that's my fault yeah I get rid of them but that's that's my fault no I would not get rid of him he cannot he's not going to get rid of him he's going to take it on himself to actually find out how come the guy doesn't do any work and whether he can help him to make him do the work and what is it he can do himself to help that guy do the work yeah. That's, that's what he's talking about, really. Yeah. So he's talking about a really quite proactive way of doing it. He's not doing nothing, really. He's going to be the one hustling in order to try to, because he's taking responsibility uh, about the whole lot, really. Yeah. Solzhenitsyn. When, Solzhenitsyn with the yeah. Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, when she was in the Gulag Archipelago, apparently, he really, uh, to be able to survive, he, he made a pact with himself to say all the events, all the shite, all the great stuff that has happened to me is to do solely about to, to myself. It's my own responsibility for all the good or the bad. The Soviet Union is gone tits up like that. How, we, how responsible I was as an individual for actually uh, uh, doing it and for doing nothing about it when it was time to actually do it. Mm. And then he wrote the Gulag Archipelago. He, he memorized all the words because there was no paper where he was. And uh, that actually maybe uh, toppled the USSR in part as well for exposing what the atrocity of the uh, Soviet Union and the way uh, socialism had been uh, applied or communism had been applied really mm. to people really yeah, so by time. actually taking responsibility fully and about the fact that he was responsible in part to the whole thing having happened but what he could have done differently in order for that not to have happened and uh, outcomes it had was so, if it's a good thing it's uh, my doing oh you're so lucky you can go on a holiday well I'm not too sure lucky uh, if you work hard and then you save a bit of money you got a bit of spare you go to or you can uh, work not much and then uh, go uh, credit card and then go on a holiday you still go on a holiday that's it really but you make a sacrifice you make a sacrifice before going on a holiday if you work hard and you save and if you don't work hard and you put it on a credit card and you go on a holiday you have to make a sacrifice after anyway mm. <laughs> well, you should you should yeah maybe less now because you to, to consume is good to be a good citizen but that's a different story really you need nonetheless to make a sacrifice you're gonna have to bend over and uh, but that that and, is and, the, that and is prepare for the gravel. That is the whole thing with the credit card because so much of what we're talking about is like 
taking responsibility and almost like delayed gratification. Whereas, and, and for me... No, I'm, it's not delayed gratification. It's gratification. That's the thing. It's not delayed gratification because you make your sacrifice is exactly the same thing. You need to make a sacrifice in order to get what you want. But nowadays, you can get what you want and then do the sacrifice after. It's delayed. No, it's, delayed. it's not delayed uh, uh, whatever. It's uh, doing it uh, faster in order to sacrifice after or, do it, or sacrifice now in order to get it later. And uh, it happens because the two are happening. There's the two case scenarios. There's the two possibilities, really. Mm. So we can don't... It's not delayed. Uh, but the gratification it's, is... It's a gratification, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's quite an interesting process. And, uh, and the compromise you have to make, you do your Iron Man, you have to sacrifice quite a lot of things in order to be able to train for it and uh, be able to run it. No doubt. And when you run, when you do the training, and then you have to deal with your work, and then you have to deal with yourself or your family, and then you have to sleep. Other things are going to shrivel a little bit. Mm. It cannot happen. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's quite tricky tricky way of going about it and I don't think you maximize your chances to doing it all well but, so it is a sacrifice to make whether it's now and you feel like you're making a sacrifice now by actually getting rid of you know uh, the possibility of looking uh, being with your family by actually training and you feel you sacrifice that in order to get to the Iron Man but actually you need to put yourself in the shoes of your son or your daughter who's actually uh, wanting your attention now not mm. after you Iron Man so from their point of view you're sacrificing their uh, time with yourself in order to achieve something that is not going to gratify them at all yeah and I'm not too sure what's worse but by experience I can tell you looking after the ones you are parenting first and trying to meet their needs first is great and a lot of people who do Ironman are going to take their kids to exercise as well yeah, so, so they, the kids are going to be able to exercise with them because it's good to exercise of course it's good to exercise it's great but maybe not as much as maybe uh, not as much as that mm. Exercise is, is good and it's uh, very good for uh, a proprioceptive. For uh, uh, we saw a bit like uh, my friend, my friend, my colleague in uh, Portishead was doing uh, uh, did a very good little pilot study about dyspraxic uh, kids and uh, Nordic walking and Nordic, Nordic walking. Yeah. And uh, one hour of Nordic walking a week for uh, kids who were quite dyspraxic was improving their uh, fine motor skills and their writing ability was mm. so much neater and uh, better. Interesting. So, yeah, sport is good. The physical activity is good, really. Everything in moderation, including moderation. But that's it, including moderation. I think it's quite the tricky part, really. And the fact that if you're wanting to be reasonable and if you desire to run your life with as much reason as possible, you cannot do it just for yourself after a while. When you come to a point to realize that by enhancing the life of others, it's going to enhance your life. 
It's going to make pro it's going to progress. It's going to go forward, really. That's the thing, really. That's the thing. Mm. So it's the, the optimism of the love part of the rehabilitation is really super important. You need to be quite optimistic and you need to believe that it's all being happening and all what you're doing in a reasonable fashion is going to lead to an, a, a, a more positive outcome than a negative one. Yeah, that's very interesting. When did they change that? Was it relatively recently? I'm not too sure. I just stumbled upon the whole lot the other day on Facebook. One of my colleagues in France, Loïc Tremel, did uh, put that on the whole lot. And I was like, ooh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it seems to be good. I, I just lo really like the education part of it as well. Because yeah. as, you, as you always used to or always say, Having an internal locus of focus is much better than having an external locus yeah. of focus. And m most people, yeah. including myself, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably done it at times and maybe still do, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you go somewhere to, for someone else to do something for you. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And like doctors are such a great example of that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but it meets their needs as well. So... And uh, not only doctors, a lot of therapists are, meet, may, are meeting their needs by actually doing the jobs they do, really. And that's of course. the way it's done, really. Of course. Instead of uh, meeting, it's trying to, but uh, you need to try to make the, uh, you need to try to help to enhance the needs and the way people, the people that are dealing with you enhance their needs and are, are able to actually enhance, en their, enhance. enhance their needs. Yeah, sorry, I'm a fever. It's not mm. very good. Enhance their way of actually meeting their needs. So as an osteopath, I'm really trying to give as much status, as much control, and as much security and safety to my patients. And I try to, uh, in the environment where I'm in, mm. that's the main thing. Okay. Yeah. They don't undress. Uh, I'm sitting on the Swiss ball. They're on the thing. There's no wall of fame. I don't wear a white coat. There's no desk. All those kind of stuff. All the little um, I know, theatrical type environment is oozing control for the patient, status for the patient, and security and safety for the patient. The way I introduce my uh, the scope of what I do and uh, the couple of things that we want to agree on is all about safety and is all about uh, their experience of the whole lot and the feedback. So it's very experiential. I think it's very physical. So it's really kinesthetic. And if I can get feedback on the whole lot, the better really. There's a few axioms you have to follow, really. And it uh, puts people at peace, really. And then you need to you uh, look at what they do, really, and how good they are at doing what they do, really. And I'm not going to make people better at what they are not very good at. I need to make people better at what they are already good at. So if you've never done any stretching and you've got sciatica, uh, why would you want to do stretching? <laughs> why would... I don't know, like... How, Am I going to be there all the... How long have you... How long has it been working for you to not do stretching, really? It's a bit too long, really. So, all those bits and bobs. I think sometimes it's, you need to think about the limitations the patient has as well. And it has to be quite patient-centered. And it's very... It's not very easy. It's quite difficult, basically. 
But already when you take rid of the three ego-based needs, it makes a much more plain, uh, plain uh, field, basically. So I think that's what people want as well, is to be treated as equal a little bit. And uh, the fact that uh, there's no shame, guilt, or, uh, or uh, shame, or blame, or guilt, too much, really. You can blame yourself for not having done it, really, but it's too late now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, done. You need to let go of that. That's it, that's it, that's it. What's going to happen tomorrow, really? What is it you're going to do tomorrow? What is it you do today to make tomorrow better? Not to make it like uh, yesterday, really. You know, like the definition of insanity from, uh, what's his name, Albert Einstein. He was saying that if you do the same thing again and again and you expect a different outcome, really. And it's, that's pretty much insane. So, so unbelievably true. I was thinking about that yesterday whilst washing the dishes. Whilst I was thinking about getting annoyed with my housemates for not washing up. And then I was like, well, I could just wash up. That's if it. I just keep washing up for a bit and just make yeah. sure that I'm doing my bit of washing up, that's it, that's or that's it, that's it. I could just repeat stuff and not wash up that's it, that's and then it, that's get it. more annoyed tomorrow. That's it, that's it. It's like, if you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results, it's like, that's... that's, it, that's, it, that's it. But it, yet it's, it's so easy to do when you're driven by getting your needs met in in my case for um, maybe others in yeah. an unbalanced fashion. That's it, that's it. So when, when you're driven by maybe wanting more control or more status or, yeah. or whatever, whatever it is, yeah. it's like then you tend to, to repeat patterns of behavior and expect different results. It's just like... Yeah, we are so locked into so many ways, in so many behaviors completely in that fashion that trying to do it with in ourselves, so trying to do it with others is even more... Exhausting, really. That's something that I'm I exhausted wanna... by the ways I'm actually carrying on doing the same thing again and again and again and again. It's just like it's so, it's so infuriating, really. Until you let go of them, it's who you are. That's how you function, really. If you can uh, mitigate a bit the outcome, it's not too too bad, really. Mm. But it's to impose all your views on others a little bit, really. That's the main thing, really. And it becomes super interesting that the whole stuff and that whole humanistic way of doing things I think is quite is, is good because reason is very interesting really reason is the left part of your brain and reason has made poverty something of the past people uh, dying of hunger something of the past it's made it's changed so many things really it's, it's, it's improved progress is due to your left brain the thing really all the mechanization all the all the science all the way all is done is that way really that's how it works really it's not a bad thing really uh, we learn from our mistakes we we change it we mitigate it all those kind of stuff all the time really that's there's no doubt really how, how long was there uh, no safety belts in two cars should be quite surprised you really think that that cars were built with safety belts to start with mm. <laughs> but that's but that's where where science falls down right that's where no so like safety... progress progress helps us it's progress yeah but the, the, well, we do airbags after I'm, I don't know if I'm thinking of safety belts or whether I'm thinking of something else but I'm pretty sure with safety belts it was they weren't uh, it wasn't the law to put them in a car 
for much longer than it should have been. Uh, yeah, well, after, uh, that's not science. That's, and that's, that's uh, the pressure from society and the pressure groups and a whole lot and thing. People who got sensitive nipples who, and they can't put the whole stuff on thing. It is the lobby of the one single guy who's got sensitive nipples who we have to do f according to him, really. A bit like nowadays, it's the thing, really. But you get a minority of people uh, putting the, uh, be, uh, being able to be heard and have some uh, radio wave length and uh, being on TV the media newspaper all those kind of stuff really it's but they represent just a minority of people and if you represent just yourself you well you're even more of a minority really that yeah thing. but is on there it's like I thought there was quite a few things that although science has helped progress in lots of ways it's also actually hindering a step forward by having a very cartextic, very one-level way of thinking within yeah. that. Of so course, of course, of course. So the analysis of data, the gathering of data, the way data is gathered, all those kind of stuff is not perfect. Is could be perfect if we could analyze it in a very broad fashion without having too much of a blind eye on the whole lot, really. That's the thing, really. And that's what the double-blind uh, system is put in place to do scientific research and things like that. So even the person administering the drug, for example, doesn't know which drug is being administered. Yeah. So nobody can influence the outcome of the whole thing. Or so we think, really, because we're in a trial anyway. And people have to be told they're in a trial and the worst and thing, really. So yeah. no, it's, not, it's not completely devoid of... That's it, that's it, of bias in a way, really. But it's the, it's the, it's the, the best the, model we've got. The best model we've got at the moment to make it ethical as well, really. But within, so that's what I was thinking of. Without doing experiments on people, really. Within like nu nu the nutritional world, within science, it's like people yeah. who are doing a, a study often become very married, even, whether it's conscious or subconsciously married to their their like their hypothesis mm -hmm. and so whatever statistics they get in yeah. sometimes they can look at those statistics with a big skew on how mm -hmm. they're looking at them and so they can if they are slightly positive towards like it's it's skewed and yeah, so there are as like people as, have got biases like, yeah the way, there are limitations and the statistics the statistics so is you can look at it from one way and the other and i think you ought to look at it both ways whether you want it to be one way or another you need to be able to look at it both ways and the thing is the statistics is just the numbers so numbers can't be flawed yeah. they, they are just the way they are and it's your interpretation of them or your lack of interpretation of them or your lack of breadth of interpretation of them who's the problem really yeah. so if you're quite reasonable you look at the world and we see that with uh, all the social sciences nowadays and the research they've done on uh, outcome and equality quality and, and uh, you know like uh, opportunities in Scandinavia in a society in terms of uh, women uh, work jobs for women and men and men being higher paid and uh, women in jobs and all the rest and things and then uh, opportunities from really low class low uh, economic class to be able to raise up into the world the, whatever like poverty all the rest and mm. things so the whole thing is the social sciences is mostly dominated by scholars who are on the left hand side of the political spectrum a little bit. So they uh, want to analyze a bit what's happening in Scandinavia because it's a, a quite interesting, a bit authoritative way of doing left 
euh, left politics in a way, quoi high tax on wealth and, and quoi a lot of uh, so-called redistribution in terms of the welfare and all those kind of stuff and, and the law and the institution put in place as much opportunities uh, to even out a bit the discrepancies between people, uh, genders, between uh, ages, between uh, socio-economic status, between uh, people with different IQs, all the rest and things, they're trying to even out the whole stuff as much as possible for everybody to have the same opportunities. Or, uh, and therefore, the potential for the same outcome. And all of a sudden, they do the research and they notice that there's never been as much discrepancy in outcome in Scandinavian people across the board since the, uh, the 1980s. Yeah. So what they are talking about having put in place in order to mitigate the whole thing and stuff, yes, it's not really working. And it's people who would have been quite biased in towards oh my news that's maybe where we not he, we are not hearing too much about it really but nonetheless the research has been done by people who are in in, uh, in social sciences who are more likely to be on the left so yeah. well, but it's, it's quite strange We've, we are not hearing about those research too much yeah. in the media yeah. which actually is quite on the left yeah. as well which is quite an interesting thing so yes you get a politician on the left hand side of the political spectrum in different countries not to uh, not to refer too much to Jeremy or the Jeremy's or whoever they are Uh, that they are pretending that socialism is going to help us to actually uh, solve the problem, really. Because it's not. Yeah. And all what the things they've been brought about, about gender, about, about pay, about equality, about the whole wealth of people, and the fact that there's rich people and there's poor people, and it's not very good, and how dare rich people not pay enough tax, and all the rest, and things because of the poor people, and all the rest really and all that all that falls to the bloody wayside really because there's a, a Norway Sweden a Finland and Denmark I think who've really hammered and maybe even Iceland as well I think who've really actually hammered the whole model to the extreme in order to try to mitigate uh, the uh, outcome basically and to try to even out as much of the whole stuff and it's, it's made the opposite effect. He has increased the discrepancy in outcome in, uh, in people in Scandinavia. Yeah. So don't tell me from research, uh, because of the research, that uh, socialism or the left is going to help us to fix any problems. Really. They're the only people that have had the opportunity to actually put that into place as well. It's just like people, I don't understand why people completely ignore it. Although mm -hmm. I've noticed that less less and less people are going on on about the gender pay gap now. I hardly hear anyone talk But about yes, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Because there's no bloody way. Women are interested in people, more. And uh, men are interested in things, more. Mm. And therefore, uh, when, it comes, when it comes to a woman uh, in high power, the sacrifice she's going to have to make in order to get the same pay than a man for the same job, is far too exceeding the benefits she's going to have from being interesting in people. Yeah. And maybe having a family, and maybe looking after others, because that's what... No, as individuals, uh, on a population, on a, on a bell curve, mm -hmm. on, a, on a standard deviation. Yeah. 
And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's nature. That's how it goes. And, that, and it's more really, right brain. It's that's a right really brain. interesting thing about science, which is like science teaches us about how maybe the like males and females might have, even if it's just slightly, they might have slightly different interests. But then when people read the science, or, or I guess this is social sciences, when yeah. they read the statistics that, you know, men like women get paid 80 cents on the dollar compared to, to a man. Yeah. It's like immediately, it's like knee-jerk, cartextic. It's like, oh, that 100% means, what's the main difference there? The main difference is it's male versus female. And it's like... That's it, that's it, that's it. And the dominant uh, men compared to the poor oppressed women, really, which is maybe, you know, how many men die uh, in a war? How many women die in a war, in the army? Mm. Uh, not too many. How many people are in a prison? How many people yeah, are women were suicide? never allowed to be in the army. Yeah, never allowed, but they are now, they can, if they want. That's the thing, because they can be equal, they can uh, do all the manual jobs as well, they can go and break uh, tarmac uh, in, on the motorway for days on end, for a whole 25 years. I'm sure they're very interested. Not really. Mm-hmm. No, actually, not really. There's not that many women who are going to be interested on the bell curve uh, about breaking tarmac with a, a pneumatic drill. No, 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 no doubt. Mm. And they might not have the physical ability to do it. Yeah. Okay? So, oh, well, yeah, so we can actually pump, uh, pump a man full of estrogen to make it a woman, or we can pump a woman full of testosterone to make it a man. Mm. Yeah. See how that works out. That's it. It works out really brilliant. It's a bit not, yeah. So, no, no, we have to be a little bit if we are reasonable, if we use a bit the data, and if we allow ourselves to look at it truly from all perspective, a little bit, and weigh a bit the whole thing, because uh, uh, saying that, uh, in Scandinavia as well, it's uh, quite wealthy countries, there's uh, quite a small population, I'm not too sure how many Swedes there are, but I think there's four or six million. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So there's 70 million Brits, huh? So it's not, uh, yeah, there's maybe less uh, immigration there. So they've got maybe a bit more uniform uh, kind of cultural population uh, compared to the UK or France, uh, all the rest really. So there's quite a lot of things in Sweden that makes the way it is and the reason why they go into that more authoritative kind of left way of actually doing the whole thing really to try to achieve something when actually it doesn't work. The research shows it doesn't work really. But it's, it's not even as if, like, that's the other thing I really liked about the way that they, or the from what I know about Norway and what they've done to try and increase the opportunity, like, so that there's equal opportunity. So that, that was always a good thing to do. That was yeah. always the right way to do it. Whereas lots of people, like, lot, lot, it's been, it's, there's been lots of people in the media talking about essentially forcing the equality of outcome oh yeah it's like like for example giving everyone the same wage for the same job and it's like that's you don't, i don't think you understand how that's not the right way to go about it that's it that's it of, at of, school at school when there's a race 
Oh, at school in uh, when uh, they do a little dictation or something like that, and uh, uh, mistress is asking the kids to write words and all those kind of stuff. The one who does the least uh, the least uh, mistakes is as praised as the one who does as many mistakes because everybody needs to be the same. That's the whole thing, really. If you do a race at school, there's no winner. There's no you're all winners because you've all participated to the whole race, really. So the teachers are really trying to even out even the outcome, really, of the whole lot, really. Yeah, no, uh, it's no, no, you're not first, something. What are, I don't know, had a daughter, and I was like, yeah, you know, gen, like nurture, nature, or something, and saying it's bollocks, and saying like that. We'll see a little bit, and we'll see how he is in the environment we provide her. She's going to turn out into a girl, really. It's completely shit, really, you know. No, 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 no. She's interested in things, really. And my son, there's no, there's no TV, there's no violence, there's no guns, there's no guns, toys, there's no nothing. He's a six-year-old. He goes outside, again, go outside and do the whole lot. He takes a twig, it's a machine gun, and he's killing people. Because <laughs> that's how it does. That's yeah. how it goes, really. That's the whole stuff. And how much... I'm, not, I've not told him that I don't, don't like it at all, really. He does what he needs to be done, really, in a way, really. And he needs to explore a little bit what needs to be explored, really. But after, that's the whole thing, really. Like, you go to school and then you do a race and your kids are like, talking to, and the mistress is seriously saying, oh, no, there's only winners. Huh? When you'll, you'll, you'll come and then you'll run. Huh? No, there's no winners. The winner is the one who's going to cross the line first. Sorry. Yeah. That's it, really. And the kids... And the kids are like, yeah, no, you're talking shit. Yeah. Kids yeah. understand that it's like, no, I'm going to... No. I need to beat well, everybody else. When they're really young, they do anyway. Yeah. But even later, that's the thing. You can try to make yourself believe things that don't uh, fit the way your brain works. I don't understand that's how, all. why they've it's, started doing this kind of thing because it's like the, the school system as you get older is completely based around your, <laughs> no, no, your, your, your grade yeah but it's not the school it's not it's the world of work and the world of and the world is based on hierarchy it's based on it's not a plain field No, every that's the thing really it's just like you know Richard Branson he earns lots of money the bastard you know he's, <laughs> he's a fucker he earns so much money really well, yeah, does he? Really? Well, okay. So go and work as Richard Branson for a week and tell me how your loins are going to be at the end of the week if you're not broken by the whole lot, by the decision you make, the ramifications that is, keeping people employed, queries from people, direction from people, the whole... <laughs> investments, all the whole lot, lobbyists, all the rest and saying, tell me after a week if you want his job. Well, you're going to be like, yeah, you want to be as rich as Richard Brunson for doing fuck all. But you don't want to be as rich as Richard Brunson by doing what Richard Brunson does, I can tell you, because you're incapable of doing it, really. I am incapable of doing it. Only yeah, Richard Brunson does it, and he does it in a way he's got other people he works with, he's really, uh, really manageable lot, really. But he has to be, he has to have the low back of a freaking, like, giant, really. 
Is that it, really? Bill Gates, all those guys like that. Oh, yeah, they are, very, uh, they are rich and the bastards, they got too much money, they can't even spend it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go at the head of uh, Microsoft for like a week. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna shit yourself. And that's after that, three hours. And, but that's that's obviously just taking picking someone up and dropping them into a situation that's completely stripped of all of everything they had to do over the many amount of years to get there. Oh, yeah, that's like, it, that's I, it. I, I don't understand. Well, we see huh? people winning the lottery. How many? That's the thing. Oh, if we give more money to the poor, they're gonna be happier. Okay, great. So, how many good stories have we got from uh, earning the lottery, winning the lottery? Yeah, like everyone, like... <laughs> See, it all descend into freaking chaos. It's money you've not done bugger all, and you've not even lifted your bum from the wall lot to actually get it, really. And it destroys people. It destroys their families. It destroys their friendship. It destroys their, their community. It destroys the wall lot, really. It, it's It's... Really, that's the whole lot. Really, uh, uh, money comes from uh, a sacrifice. Mm. That's it. Really, it's that whole thing of short circuiting stuff again with yeah. like using painkillers for too long a period. Yeah, yeah. How has it been working? Giving money to the poor. If I'm not sure who the poor are as well, and the rich are. I'm not too sure the definition of that too much, really. But uh, how is it working for society? Not super well, really. That's the thing, really. Oh, and then now there's no more money for the poor. Because we are too stretched. You know, like, there's potholes everywhere. The council can't even afford to put somebody to put some freaking uh, uh, tarmac into the holes, really. Come on. Like, it's so dire, really. Is it, really? Like, how is it we go about doing things, really, you know? Mm. How did we do the Manhattan Project? How did we end up doing an atomic bomb? How did it work? How many people were involved? What about Apollo Project? How did you get uh, America to the moon? How did it work? How much uh, the taxpayer had to actually go on a whole lot? We need a bit more of uh, aims and giving money to the poor. That's the whole stuff, really, because that's completely useless, really. And you know, like, somebody was like, oh, yeah, and then, and then, look at how much money they raised for Notre-Dame in Paris, you know, and then they can't even help the poor. Or the, de the destitutes. It's like, well, yeah. What kind of symbol the destitutes use compared to Notre-Dame in Paris, really? That's the thing, really. Uh, I was even, I think, sen sending a text to a patient of mine. I was uh, discussing that uh, to uh, the other day. And if I can find it in 15 seconds, it will be a quite an interesting one. Because um, in the revolution, uh, in, eight, in 1793, during the French Revolution, the cathedral Notre-Dame de, uh, de Paris was turned into a temple to reason. And for a time, Lady Liberty replaced the Virgin Mary on several altars. On several altars. Altars, yeah. Mm. So maybe there's a bit of a symbol. 
in a big background here, and it represents a bit the reason as well for the secular people. It reasons a bit the Virgin Mary, the reason about freedom, all the rest and things. It's all those things, really. And who was the lady who replaced Virgin Mary on some of the old Or Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty. Yeah, yeah. The Statue of Liberty. Mm. That was given to America by the French. By the French. Yeah, yeah, of course. For actually freeing themselves from the Brits. Mm, yeah, Brilliant. maybe, or maybe it was because they built the Eiffel Tower and and who built the Eiffel Tower? The the French. The French built the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, but they, the yeah. the French built the Eiffel Tower, if, and it was such. A, what what I read about it was it was such a big statement yeah. in in mm-hmm. what they could achieve with steel. Mm-hmm. And they actually use the same technology to build the Exactly. And it's Eiffel who actually builds the scaffold for the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Eiffel was the guy who built the Eiffel Tower mm. and he builds the scaffold for the, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. But that's. But the, the Notre Dame things are interesting and it's like I had this conversation again on the weekend, just gone with, you know, the richest, the richest like three people, the, basically the richest one person in the world could. Give away quarter of his, 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 you know, money, and probably sort out, maybe completely eradicate all of poverty. But uh, poverty is already being pretty yeah. much eradicated. Yeah, I can tell sure. you, like no, for in the last hundred and fifty years, yeah, I can so. is uh, gone really, really well. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's less still not completely eradicated. Oh, it's not but, it, but no, no, but no, 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 that's not the point. No, that's I'm that's making. That's it's like that's we've we've done loads of amazing things, but that's not the point I'm making. It's still like. But it's not... The thing is, it's not money. It's what you do with the money, really. Mm. That it matters, really. It's the sacrifice you had to make in order to earn that money. Yeah, but that's... That, that, that that's represents it. the whole lot, yeah, a little bit. It, exactly. And the altruistic donation of money that you've earned, however despicable is the way you've earned your money, sure. is... Nonetheless, um, you need to be able to direct it in a reasonable fashion. And, and the whole stuff is to help people being plucked out of poverty. There's plenty of ways to actually do it rather than giving them money. If they mean. Yeah, in fact. And, give, and if, they are, if they are still, and if we come to the principle of thinking that you take re- full responsibility for the situation you're in at a- any given time, maybe people in poverty are not the one making the best decision with, with the model of society we have. Yeah, which is which is maybe really bad comment, really. Oh, the poor, the poor people. It's not their fault, you know. Well, the rich people. It's not their fault either. Then, it's well, really, well, it's just maybe about, maybe it's not it. their fault. But this, but that's that's all. Maybe. That's all kind of part of it with the, within this extreme responsibility. Of course, you're not saying the people who are born into poverty and are 15 and they've been in poverty for 15 years and they've struggled every day of their life. Of course, you're not saying it is their fault. But it's like. It's like uh, no, it's, it's, they need to take responsibility yeah. in and order to be able to come out of uh, poverty, and I think that's uh, the main thing, really. The yeah, main message and, here. And, and, and the I'm, thing, really. I'm sure most of them, most of them probably do. But if they're in mm-hmm. like a community that's in complete poverty throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. and their you know their system's completely crapped and it's fucked and blah blah blah, then it's like you're not saying that everything, or I don't, I, I don't agree that everything, all of their issues, or all of their hardships are their own fault. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying... So where do you stop uh, to saying uh, which one is their fault and which one is their not? It's not theirs. 
Because he, he, as individual, really, it's quite difficult, really, well, to I, be able I, to say, oh, well, but him, he was like that, like that, like that, and then his brother was like that, like that, like that, no, no, and no, it's no, not no. just, I, I it's think, a bit I, different, they're both poor, but it's really different. Simple. It's unbelievably simple. It's unbelievably simple. Yeah, you don't make very good decisions, and your parents have not made very good decisions, and their neighbors have not made very good decisions. I think if the opinion. community slash the government for the, the, on the company, uh, company, the country mm-hmm. that you live in, if they are able to give you the tools to have your basic needs of food and water and shelter yeah. met, then then beyond that point, I mm-hmm. think I think everything else isn't is is your responsibility. You can mm-hmm. make a better life and you are responsible for doing that. Mm-hmm. But I think also within that situation or someone in maybe poverty or just above poverty, which mm-hmm. is the example I gave, it's like in that situation it could be quite easy for them to be like, woe is me or like you know it's like my life's difficult because you know Mm -hmm. I don't earn any money or whatever but that's them again being Mm -hmm. essentially like contextually blind or not being able to see Mm -hmm. how they could probably make that give themselves and their community a better life Mm -hmm. but also these people who have like trillions or billions or whatever these Mm -hmm. super rich shakes or whatever yeah like they're so contextually blind like there's there's no way that they would ever view things from a different view yep. other than what has my family done and what have I done yep. to secure this mass wealth yep. I'm not just going to give away that wealth because it's it's not a case of like so much. Yeah, that's yeah. It, that's it, that's it. which is what, something that I always struggled with and I think I still struggle with now but it's the same of like sometimes as a parent or not saying that I'm a parent but I think it's just like a good example or as a as like a wealthy person it's like some, sometimes it could be quite easy for someone else to look on you and, and be like oh why wouldn't they just give some money to someone else or like give some money to a friend who's struggling and maybe there's like there's definitely a time and a place for that of course mm-hmm. but there's also good, there's, good a, time and, there's a time and a place not to there's do that there's pity because it's like it's yeah but it's yeah, like pity yeah being a, like get, giving, get some money so I don't have to see you yeah anymore yeah and then you can stay in your poverty I don't give a fuck but I'm giving you money to for you to disappear out of my sight. It's especially that a bit as well. And now I feel much better because I've given you... I know that I've given you money. I don't really give a fuck what you're going to do with it. Yeah. That's the whole thing, really. So, it's, I mean, really, so the rich can justify being altruistic by actually giving some money and to make yourself feel, feel better, the whole lot and thing. It's not... I think it's... Yeah... Yeah, yeah, there's all the case scenario and the possibilities, really, in a way, really. But, you you know, oh, you're so lucky you go on a holiday and thing. Well, yeah, you, yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know, you're so lucky. Well, no, you need to see how much money you've got. You need to decide which, di- which uh, thing you need. You need to walk to the freaking airport, get in a plane, go on a whole bloody thing and come back, really. You need to still do it, really. <laughs> you yeah. need to do it, really. And of course you are lucky because you could have been born with are you lucky? a variety of deformities yeah. that, that mean that you are incapable of, of being able to, you know work well and think in this way so that you save mm-hmm. up the money and oh, yeah, if you're brain damaged yeah, yeah if you're brain damaged yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so of course but, of course there's an element of luck but people people put so much weight on luck yeah they think like anyone who makes it or anyone who's so well for themselves is incredibly lucky oh, no, it's like, not. Uh, no it's not luck it's uh, I'm as lucky uh, as you are not to be super disabled like that's basically it yeah, that's it. And uh, super disabled people are actually f- um, having very fulfilled lives. As yeah. Well, really. 
They might actually be the, no, the luckiest of all of us because maybe, maybe we need to ask. Uh, we need to see a little bit from their perspective a bit, really. But a lot of uh, uh, brain uh, machine inter interfaces uh, coming into play nowadays. There's all the uh, brain wave reading type stuff. So you got little helmets, and then you can uh, program your uh, your uh, uh, wheelchair. All those kind of stuff with your thoughts. You can uh, type on your computer with your thoughts. You don't have to actually interact with it physically. Mm. It's just uh, you train the computer to know what uh, right and left goes and up and down and forward and back. And then the uh, brain waves there is. And it's uh, like uh, limbs as well, interaction with the yeah. whole lot, with exoskeletons and new body parts, all the bionics aspect of it, all those kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not only that. I think it's people are contending with a lot of limitations. And despite contending with limitations, they are able to find a fulfillment. Yeah, really. contentment. Yeah. And, yeah. So we're all limited in many ways, really. But are we able to kind of uh, uh, content with the fact that we are actually limited? That's it. We are, f we are not flawless, really. That's the problem. God is flawless, really. He's, what's the fun, really? Superman, you know, if he's really, you can't even kill him with an atomic bomb, what's the point, really? It's not until he's got mm. the kryptonite that and those kind of stuff that the story comes and plays itself. Yeah, really. yeah. So we are very important uh, development uh, since God because we are full of flaws. And the flows are making it so much greater than being completely flawless. Being flawless must be freaking boring, really. It must be boring, really. But being really a bit crabby and uh, cracky and a little bit dirty and all the rest is pretty interesting because you can do a bit of cleaning, really. You can do a bit of uh, fixing and you can and do a, a bit, bit of, of order. Exactly, really. Or, yeah. re or reason you can apply reason a little bit really and the models we are uh, trying to discuss at the moment are fairly interesting really and uh, pain is a really great cornerstone about the whole lot really you can argue that uh, if you're in pain it's uh, not your fault and you can uh, uh, get the doctor to actually deal with your pain no problem How is it working for you? In fact, it's quite easy. How it's actually it? quite But easy to describe it in that yeah. or, or argue it that yeah, way. Yeah. And how is it working for you? It's just, no. Oh, yeah, but uh, is it? Take responsibility, get the whole lot, do be of reading, look at how it works. We almost uh, chew it for you, really. Peace uh, and love. Well, peace and love is really quite an interesting way of looking at it now, I think, because it's really all of that. You have to contend to the fact of being optimistic, really. And that's not a very easy thing to do. And you need to educate yourself. Yeah. And that's not easy to do that's as well nice. either. Because when you're catechistic, it's a bit more tricky, really. Yeah. And that's why you need the guideline of people who are not that catechistic in the jobs they do, really. But, uh, uh, But also, the... As a person, that's the problem no. of being a therapist here, a little bit. And as a therapist, I can, I'm very good at uh, isolating the grain of sand in people's eyes whilst really happily omitting the beam in my own. Mm. 
that's a bit the problem, a little bit. So, say, uh, do I say, but don't say what I do, taxing. Yeah, 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 but that's why yeah, we, that's why we need other bit. people. That's why we need community. Exactly, exactly, and that's exactly, why. exactly. But that's that's the thing about it. Could be so overwhelming to educate yourself and to be optimistic about pain in particular. But any kind of any kind of pain, whether it's physical or or um, oh, yeah, same thing, mental, yeah. same, same thing. Yeah. And it's like, but as soon as you dip your toe into the water of learning about stuff. You're, it won't be long until you find someone who's also doing the same thing yeah, and then yeah. you're able to share some stuff definitely, definitely, and then definitely. it's like all of a sudden you've got this like maybe a new community or something you found and it's and it becomes a very interesting thing and it's no just, a bit. just the very obviously we know or think or whatever with regards to the uh, the human givens and the ten emotional needs that just the very um situation of finding a community that shares your pain literally mm-hmm. it's like well, that's why that can actually help mitigate or modulate modulate down that pain very down well. or um or up or up yes yeah, of yeah, course yeah yeah, 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 yeah. of course because yeah. if you go to a fibromyalgia sufferer group uh I'm, I'm not too sure where the optimism is in the whole lot and they're probably going to have uh, an external locus of well, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I've not been well, in too many because so. I'm not that way inclined too much, really. And I'm not too much in the social media aspect of it, really. But the chamber, uh, the echo chamber in those kind of things can be a little bit tricky, really. And then you end up uh, being part of a group that thinks a bit like you. You want to enter groups that are not actually thinking like you. Mm. In order to be able, you don't want to find people who do the same as you. You want to do, you want to find the uh, groups that, where people do something different who look like they've got a better outcome. Yeah, so that, that's quite difficult because it's like you you want to find a group of people, and more than likely you're going to come across a group of people who are interested in the same things as you, because yeah. that that manifests itself in loads yeah. of different ways. Yeah. And but then you need to try and find people who are challenging so that you can riff with them a bit. Yeah, that's that's interesting. In yeah. order to see a bit how it works for them, really, you know. Yeah, and maybe you know maybe they will do the same to you. And so last this morning, treated her horse, and she had a haha moment because she had a bad knee on the left side, and she could not take the horse to the left side because it was too strong because she doesn't have the strength enough in her knee and then uh, I uh, tell her about the whole lot and she's like oh yeah I can't bend it back I'm going to have to have another uh, surgery on the whole lot I'm like ah oh, ok good and what have you done about it oh not too much I'm saying ok cool and what have you made oh, I'm worried it's going to hurt like, ok good what is it you want to be able to do I want to be able to bend my knee so I can go on my horse okay good so let's uh, stretch your quads I'll show you so I showed her how to stretch your quads which actually was preventing her from flexing her leg and we put the saddle on the horse and what did she do well she could reach uh, bloody stuff with her uh, foot really and she could flex her knee really oh my god it's a miracle um, yeah okay <laughs> okay yeah miracle maybe like no it's just applying like not being contextually blind and being able to influence uh, the whole lot and with a simple way of doing it. And now she's like, oh my God, that's how it... Oh, wow. Becomes quite interesting. 
Yeah, it is quite interesting. Mm. I can see why people. I can definitely see why people think it's a miracle. Yeah, she was like, well, the horse was better as well, mm. but the horse is blessed anyway because he's stuck in the present moment, like we said last time. So he's not hanging. He doesn't have any three layers of to, of the pain to contend with. He's just in pain in his back or in his pole or in his sacroiliac or wherever really, wherever he's in pain really. He doesn't care about how how is affecting the expectation he's having of what he should be able to do would the pain be there and he doesn't have to content with the fact that all the other horses don't have pain there and they're able to do the stuff but the whole is completely oblivious of all that yeah. the whole thing really and that makes the whole pain go super easy really there's no damp, there's no worsening because the descending pathways for the brain to reinforce the whole stuff all the time, really. Oh, it's painful. Oh, yes, it's so painful. Me too. Oh, oh I'm so depressed. And in the morning, I can't do it. Oh, me too. I can't do the whole freaking stuff. It's so horrible. We're so poor us. And then the whole stuff spiral out of uh, control a bit, really. You actually prime yourself to be in pain. So you need to take responsibility for your outlook of uh, the world and your... But where do you start? That's the thing. I'm still in pain. Yeah. And you're not going to be in pain forever. But you're soaking black and white and you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to die like that. Actually, I'm living like that. I'm not even thinking about dying because it's so painful. Hmm. Actually, being in pain is going to be so... Be dying is going to be so much less painful than actually being in pain all your life, really. It's going to actually maybe by then be a very good relief, really, actually. It's when pain it can be good, really. <laughs> well, it is, anyway. Very good. And it's harsh, because you're like, oh my God, oh no, he's not, he's, he hasn't said that. He hasn't said it's, it's, it's the person's responsibility to get rid of his pain, because it's not his fault. Yeah, well, no, sorry. And the model is showing us like the 3 million prescription of Cocodamol a year in England alone last year. Mm. 3 million prescription. How many pills is there per prescription between 30 and 90? Even if we take a conservative uh, view and we say there's uh, 40 uh, pills or 45 or 50 pills per uh, prescription, it's 150 million cocodamols eaten in England alone last year. And we're not talking about uh, tramadol, we're not talking about zapain, we're not talking about oxycontin, we're not talking about liquid morphine, we're not talking about gabapentin, we're not talking about... I mean, like, a name, a name, a name, a name. Three. three so it's three million in the UK. Yeah. And we have a population of seven million. No, 70. Se- yeah. 70 million. Yeah. yeah. In, in, uh, in America, yeah. it's tripled from... From 91 to 2011, yeah. so that's, what, uh, 20 years, yeah. tripled from 76 million to 219 million. And it, as of uh, 2016, it's more than <clears throat> 289 million prescriptions were written uh, for opioid drugs. Opioid drugs, that's it. Ah, how is it working for you to delegate the, the, your shitting pain with some, to somebody else? Sorry, it's working very good for the pharmaceutical companies who give the whole lot, really, who are able to manufacture it because they manufacture more and more of it, really. So that's the thing, really. a difficult thing, though. Ah, yeah, that's it. Like how how to it. ease people into 
accepting or, or like first seeing and then you need accepting. to ease people into yeah, that yeah you do because if no, so- you don't need to do that they are in shitting loads of pain already they don't have to be eased in anything how is it working for them to take all the opiates are they still in, are they in no more pain anymore no 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 ease them into accepting that, that ah, but no, they no, no. are responsible ah, but yeah 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 that's, that's uh, a difficult you don't ease people into that really they come to the fact of realization and it comes to a cathartic point where they're like there's no fucking way I'm carrying on like that really mm. otherwise you carry on maybe yeah. you go around really you can't be eased <laughs> gently oh don't worry tomorrow think about it tomorrow no you don't think about it tomorrow we kick you in the balls and we smash your face a little bit more. You're on your pied, on your pied anyway. You should not be in pain. Anyway. <laughs> that's it. But no, that's it. Oh, but I'm in chronic pain. It's not fair what you're saying. Well, no, because I'm in pain too, at times. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because I was really being really mean to people in pain, really. No, I'm not mean in, uh, to people in pain. I'm very happy to giving them an opportunity to do the whole lot. But I'm not going to try to change the people who don't want to change. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, it's Finish. a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, wanting to deal with people who are interested in looking at it from a different fashion. The skeptical and the one who are not going to be changed, who cares? I'm not going to waste my energy with those people, really. They can carry on as, as usual, really. They'll be dead soon enough. I'll be dead soon enough. Anyway, <laughs> that's no problem, really. Because that's how it goes, really. That's the thing, really. We're going to all freaking die at some stage. We have to content with that, really. And if you want to live in pain all the days of your life, and you think that uh, popping pills is a way, that uh, is the only way it can be done, no problem. It's f- no problem. And you see, if you think other ways of doing is mambo jumbo and there's no uh, rational behind it, no problem as well. And... If you want to uh, challenge me about the whole lot and thing, no problem. Yeah, it's really sad. You're in loads of pain and it's uh, uncurable and it's neuropathic pain and it's really deep and all the rest and thing. Uh, I'm not sure what neuropathic pain means. Does it come from your nerves? <laughs> it's like, okay, well. So we, segre- we segmented the whole stuff again, really. That's it, really. No, I'm afraid some of your expectations are not really met, and it's really painful. And it's really painful for me, too, I'm afraid. And uh, I'd rather not tell you how painful it is for me, because you're kind of shoving down my throat how painful it is for you. But uh, you're not the only one to have to contend with the uh, whole shenanigan and the fact that you're going to die soon. I'm in the same boat than you. And uh, I'm sorry, but some of the decisions I make and the views I have help me to contend with that a bit, maybe better than you, and in, in a less painful fashion. Mm. Sorry, it's no pers- nothing personal. We are yeah, all in yeah, the yeah. same boat about that, really. Because yeah. pain is universal. It's the only mm. thing that matters, really. And it's not harsh or brash, and we don't ease people into it, really. I'm not going to ease you into pain, really. Oh, look, we're going to ease you into it with a little injection and things like that and stuff. No, 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 no. No, I didn't mean like, ease them into pain. I just yeah, meant yeah. ease them into that. Into opening. the opening yeah. their mind to yeah. the fact you don't ease yourself into the well, opening no, your no. mind to the whole lot. Because if your mind is not already open to the fact that you're responsible for your own pain, well, it's going to be a big, big fall and it's not going to be very easing. It's going to yeah. be pretty... Uh, mm. It's going to smack yourself really and so you should really it's, it's hard 
because it's really it, it doesn't sound nice No, I know. It doesn't that's, sound that's, nice. That's, that's, you know, you're like, oh, he's mean. I mean. He's mean to those, those poor people who suffer. Yep. And they are not the only ones to be humans. <laughs> they are not the only ones to be humans. And we are facing the same questions and the same existential questions and the same limitations. We got the same brains. They are wired the same. Unless being in pain is making you brain damaged. Actually, there's evidence. Actually, it changes your uh, brain chemistry. Uh, Uh, well, not necessarily your brain chemistry, yeah, your brain chemistry, but uh, uh, the structure of your brain a little bit as well. Anyway, but that's another story, which makes it even harder for you to go back at not being in pain after a while. Yeah. So there's trophic changes, and and it's going to take a long time after that to change that really. But uh, you're responsible for not having made any changes beforehand and not having known. Oh, but I didn't know. Nobody told me. Ah, yeah, you didn't go and look for the information. And nowadays, it's just on... Uh, ah, of course, if you don't have a mobile phone and you don't want one and it's shit and it's emitting all the radiation and it's making it's giving you cancer and things like that, yeah, you're not going to be able to use your phone to find the information. Yeah, no doubt. You're going to have to go to the library and look in books, really, and order things on Amazon. Which is going to be better, possibly. For Might be a little bit, little bit harder to get the information, but it's still an awful lot easier than it ever has been, ever. Ever. Ever in the entire uh, time in human history. Mm. Ever. It's all there. And that's the whole stuff, really. And where do you start, where you don't... That's the whole thing, really. And anyway, it really doesn't matter where you start, does it? No, it's just to start. That's mm. all. But... The thing is, I'm only human and I'm contenting with my own limitation and my own pain. And now I'm getting around to not being in pain, really. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we x-ray my low back and we x-ray yours. And how much pain you got in your low back and how much pain I've got my, in my back. And you're going to be quite surprised how arthritic my back is. And I've got no pain in it. Oh, surprise, surprise. But my is bad. That's it, that's it. Exactly. No, it's, it's superb and it's really harsh and it's and the problem is it's a bit the stuff with uh, Peterson as well really uh, Jordan Peterson who's so much more articulate than us really in a way really but he's it's it's brutal it's yeah. brutal to hear the truth about the whole lot and to be exposed to no embellishment about the whole lot there's no you know When it comes to pain, you can try to wrap it up any other way. It's pretty violent. It's pretty violent. Yeah. Death is a story that is not going to be very easy. Trauma and PTSD is not really the easiest stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucking full frontal, basically. And some people have to contend with an awful lot all the time. But some people deal with it very well, really. And some people come out of it really very well. We need to talk about those people, people who succeed really, and the reason why they succeed and how mm. they go about doing it. We need to be a bit on the positive side of things as well and look at all the success stories, all the whole lot really. Mm. That's, it's just all, to, just about like massive archives of context. Yeah, context. But it's all about context. Yeah, and your brain can do that super well. That is really good at. Yeah, all that for peace and love, really. Talking mm. a bit about all the rest, but it's quite, it becomes quite interesting. It's quite nice how that, that has, whether it's officially changed or not, like 
it's quite nice that there's more people talking about peace and love rather than mm-hmm. rice. Exactly. So much. So it's a much bigger, it's much bigger, much more complex issue. That's it. That's it. That's uh, it's uh, coming up to my bedtime. Yeah, that's it. Mine too. I think. That's it. Cool.